Well, that's our welcome right there. Hi, I'm Zlatan Diego. <laughs> and I'm the Hammer Suit. The Hammer Suit. We're here to talk about Florida Gator football. We don't have our normal welcoming party, which is very disappointing. Uh, Tofuri isn't feeling great and has some work popping up. He may pop in, but probably not. We'll see. And I'm, I'm going to say, though, that Tofuri is like the glue to this pod. So we're going to probably just be all over the fucking place today. And I'm really excited about that. Like We have no glue, so yeah, prepare he's gonna, yourself He's going to start listening to edit this, and he's probably going to be shaking his head. You know, looking over at a bottle of Jack Daniels, like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're probably not going to get this podcast till Sunday, and it's not because he's lazy. It's because he's yeah. taking that long to deal with our shit and all of our editing. <laughs> so, yeah, so we apologize in advance, Tof. Yeah, well, it's just we are who we are. And uh, when you don't have somebody to keep us from going off the rails, like a Tofuri or a Mose or even a Gary, here we yeah. go. So, well, before we get off the rails to start with, why don't we jump on in? Um, what's the first topic? We go in. We go in Georgia game. Yeah, I guess so. We want to start. Let's start. Yeah. We'll start the pot off disappointed and sad, and we'll end up being pretty awesome. Hopefully, I mean, we can we can start off optimistic if you want. I can do it either way. Yeah, I'm pretty pessimistic with it now. All right, let's let's get all the sadness out. Let's drop it all out. Right. What's you got? Throw some sad at me. Throw some sad at me. Let's go. I just I I, I genuinely can't even like. <laughs> Fuck you, Tofu Gator, for posting that. As soon as I was thinking. Um, <laughs> Tofu <laughs> so, uh, wants everybody. He wants everybody to know that he is suffering from penile gigantism. Uh, doctors fear it may be terminal. It is likely terminal, uh, and he is he is hoping for all of your thoughts and prayers that you can possibly offer. Um, so, just everybody, uh, prayers up for Tofu and hope that he can make make do with having to pay for extra large pants and um, dicks we'll out for Tofu. Dicks out for Tofu. Yeah. All right, on to Georgia. <laughs> okay. All right. So. Yeah, Georgia. I'm. I'm just like. I don't know. Like, on. I got. I got two thoughts. Two really major thoughts I've been thinking about with Georgia, and I really am actually kind of proud of the team for only losing by seven because the way Georgia was playing, we probably should have lost by like seventeen to more. You know. Um, but the other part of me is like, like fuck, like, like that's a hump we have to get over. Like, we have to beat them on the field if we want to even have a chance at getting like the elite elite players in the state of Florida who are going to Georgia. Right. Like, and you know, and like, I know everyone's like, well, that's not fair. I'm like, well, that's, that's the reality we live in is that Dan is going to be fighting against Georgia with one arm behind his back, unless he magically re- improves recruiting to like, you know, LSU levels, you know what I mean? Like top five classes, you know, every, every couple years. Right. And yeah. well, yeah. Okay. So I don't know, like I'm like really happy seeing like like Trask getting played okay, the offensive line played okay. Like Georgia has a great defense. Um, kind of disappointed in the wide receivers not getting open as often as they should have. Defensively, I have no idea what the fuck was going on. Um, and I'm still still confused by our defense this year. Like, is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. I it's, can't tell. It's not good. It it is bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> Those are your answers right there. Like I can't tell really. Like it's like sometimes they look like the best defense we've had in a long time, and sometimes, you know, they look like uh, I don't even know, like a really bad defense. And um, it's just I don't know. It's like it's like we only lost by seven. So do I chalk that up as like a win? Like I would say that's a win. Yeah, we only lost by seven to arguably the best team on paper we've faced this season. Like you know, like they've 
pulled in multiple top five recruiting classes. They had number one last year, you know, so it's like this team is clearly built to beat us. Um, so I'm proud of that, but it's just like, fuck, are we, are we going to get over the hump? Like, is this going to be the expectations? Is it like Alabama, Auburn, where maybe when we win every couple of years, like a miracle, you know, at the swamp, is that going to be the thing? Or, or can we actually start consistently beating Kirby smart and, and, and Georgia? And I'm not 100% sure on that yet. Well, it's, uh, it's one of those things where we could have had an answer right now. And I think one of the biggest frustrations for everybody is that we don't, we don't have an answer. I mean, yeah, you could say, hey, they're going to beat our asses for the future. But looking at last year, we got blown out. Um, well, in my mind, we got blown out. A lot of people would disagree with that statement. But I thought Georgia was toying with us last year. This year, they played better than us. They really did. But we played it closer. And um, we were right there in it at the end, despite all odds, because we should not have been somehow. We yeah. were in it. So, I mean, we're improving our talent incrementally. Not enough, obviously. We need to... We're not taking those huge jumps forward, um, but we're getting closer. So the frustrating thing is that we had, in, in, in hindsight, you have two, two games in the schedule where you're playing these elite-level opponents with elite talent, uh, very good coaching overall, just great teams, period. Even if uh, Georgia is not as good as uh, maybe we had expected, they're still a great team. I mean, there's no getting around that. So... We play those two games, you lose both the games. Uh, pretty much lost both by about one to two scores. I mean, we were in e either of them. We could have, yeah, we could have won the LSU game if like one or two bounces happened here. We could have been right in it at least in Death Valley. Georgia, yeah, we could have won it if we had a bounce or two at the very end. But all in all, the, uh, the teams that won earned it, LSU and Georgia. A lot of people would chalk this up to, oh, well, here's Mullen um, beating the teams he should, losing to the teams he shouldn't. Or, sorry, flip that around. Yeah, no, that's right, yeah. L or losing to the teams that he should, beating the teams that he should, just based off of talent alone. I don't... <sighs> I have a hard time with this. Mississippi State, when he was there, he lost to Alabama all the time. He lost to LSU all the time. He lost to Auburn all the time. These teams that are just far more talented. And then he beat all the other teams pretty consistently um, without too many surprising losses. He got his ass kicked by a lot of these good teams. There weren't a lot of really close games. I've looked at it before, and I, I don't have the numbers in front of me necessarily. He got his ass kicked. So there's one thing right there. The gap is a lot closer. <clears throat> he's no longer getting his ass kicked anymore. And that gap's closer because it's at a school like Florida. So the question is, is once he gets kind of his full team of guys that actually fit his scheme, once he gets rid of the bottom of crap that McElwain recruited. And I mean, I, I just not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The bottoms of his classes were dog shit. We're talking guys ranked like, I mean, tons of guys ranked in the bottom uh, outside of the top 500. We're talking 1000s, 2000s, just dog shit ends of classes. And Mullen hasn't had that yet. Not a single class has had like a dog shit back end. Yeah, there's a couple of takes where you're like, I don't know about that guy. That's a white safety. Uh, not naming any names, obviously, but yeah, well, it's so. like, it's like maybe, but you know, maybe we just did a fill spots kind of, is that what you're talking about? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it basically, with McElwain, you're filling in with these literal fill-ins. Um, he wasn't recruiting offensive linemen, and the ones he did recruit sucked ass. Look at TJ Moore right now. Like, yeah, it's a blue chip, but he sucks. He can't even make the field. Team Telford didn't even make the roster. 
Kadeem, well, Kadeem Telfer got kicked off because yeah. he had to participate in credit card fraud, like many other dumbass yeah. kids. Yeah, Miguel, Miguel Wayne's best offensive lineman he recruited was Jawan Taylor, and I just think it's because Jawan Taylor was just is just a fucking beast rather than just being a good recruit, you know? Yeah, so I'm pulling up um, kind of my notes on this right now because we're we're getting towards it without getting into the game. So let's get let's get a little into it. I like this, anyways. Yeah, I do um, want to bring up I do want to bring yeah. up something that you were talking about because he said he was getting his ass beat at Mississippi State by teams like that had far superior talent, and you know he's beating up other guys. And I agree. I mean, keep in mind Mississippi State was was pretty garbage when he took over, um, and his best season at Mississippi State was ten and three. That was when he had Dak, Dak Prescott, and they were ranked like number one or whatever for a couple weeks. Yeah, um, like that was his best season. Well, here's something crazy. So he has won nine conference games in his two season, two and a half, his one and a half seasons here at Florida so far. Okay. Okay. It took him until 2012. So it took him four seasons at Mississippi State to finally win his ninth conference game. This kind of shows you how how good he is at building the programs. Yeah. Um, so like so he went four and four that year, then he went three and five the next year, six and two, four and four. So like the thing is like so he's thirty three and thirty nine at Mississippi State in the conference. And you know, it's like it's like wow, that's that's terrible. And it is terrible, but also like look how bad Mississippi State is playing right now with um Joe Moorhead. Like it, that's not an easy school to win at. Like you've got every year you're gonna play LSU <laughs> um, Alabama and Auburn and Texas A&M like every year you're going to play them right whereas like we only have to play two of those four every couple years right um, so is the east an easier side of the conference I would say probably it is right now I think the west is a little bit more deeper just because you have LSU Alabama and Auburn in the same conference but um, I think it's just impressive that you know he's putting together what looks like it's going to be another 10 win season at the minimum at a program that you know, before he picked up what what one four games the year before, and and he's already won more conference games in his first one and a half seasons than he did in his first four seasons at Mississippi State. I think people are getting upset looking at this in a micro level. They're they're looking at just this game alone and they're frustrated, which deservedly so. You can be frustrated with this. I'm frustrated with this, but don't lose sight of this bigger picture here. I don't know of many coaches that could have stepped in with the lack of talent that we have on this team overall. Um, we don't, we didn't have any superstars. Franks wasn't a superstar quarterback. Um, we did, we just didn't have it. And not many coaches would have been able to step in and turn it into 10 win back-to-back seasons, which is what he's on track to do right now. Yeah. That's outstanding. This isn't, this isn't the Jim McElwain uh, nine or 10 wins where he backed into some really easy wins because of an easy-ass schedule. We, we had a hard-ass schedule this year. Miami to open the season. Miami's not very good right now, but they, they were a tough team when we played them. That's a rivalry game. They play up. That's how Miami plays it. They always play up whenever they're playing an in-state school. They have talent on the team. They're just not a very good team. Um, first game, you don't have the, uh, the, the film or anything. It's a tough game. We have, we have uh, Florida State later on. They're easy, obviously. But the SEC schedule we play this year, way tougher than a couple years ago when the East was complete trash with McIlwain. Uh, Georgia was garbage. Tennessee was garbage. South Carolina, kind of garbage. Missouri, Vanderbilt. I mean, these teams were bad. Yeah, like, and, like, well, like, well, like you could, you could, 
just based off the eye test alone, you could see that something was wrong with Mikael Wayne's teams. Like, yeah, like, like yeah, 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 they barely backed, win some we, of these games. We backed into the East Championship, you know, but it's like, like fuck, you could clearly tell something was wrong. And like, yeah, when we had Will Greer, like maybe it was going to be different, you know, like that guy was a great quarterback, and that can definitely change your team. Like, you can go from being meh in the SEC West to being a number one team in the country if you have Dak Prescott, right? Like, quarterbacks, generational type quarterbacks can change your team. And, you know, maybe Mikael Wayne, you know, lucked into that. I don't know, because Will Greer was a much champion. So, um, yeah, he, he did luck into a little bit there. Um, yeah. So, the, the, yeah, the other thing is just he, I lost my train of thought right there. I just interrupted you for no reason. Yeah. yeah. But, okay, so. So what do you want to get to? I didn't mean to interrupt. I just wanted to, I know you were, we were transitioning to something, and I just want to bring that up before we forgot. That's, that's totally fine. I'm just, I'm looking at these numbers right now and just kind of how, like, what, what Mullen was stepping into with all of this. Looking at Mississippi State there, let's look at the year out. I think 2014 was the year they were number one overall. Yep. And I don't, I don't have their class in front of me, uh, but I imagine that their recruiting class in the, the following year was pretty good. They were still, after that year in 2015, they were the 28th overall talented team. They had a 680 total team composite score. That's below Arkansas, below North Carolina, below Arizona State, right there with the Virginias and the Baylors of the world. That's not a good score. It's a, it's a bad score, and it's just a mediocre team. Well behind South Carolina, well behind Oregon and Ole Miss, Stanford, Miami, all these teams way ahead. Florida, we were at, in 2015, we were at just a mediocre talent, um, decent, not great. We had a 790, still 100 points higher. So the gap from Mississippi State out to Florida is the same as the one from Florida to Georgia. Um, pulling this up right now. Okay, so McElwain couldn't bring in any offensive linemen. He brought in, I think, and I've said this numerous times again. I mean, I, I've said it a ton. I'll say it again. Uh, the If you take the lowest, rank, lowest ranked players from both McElwain and Mullins classes, the uh, 28 of the lowest 30 are Mac. So Mullins filling in these guys that are actually – capable of playing in an SEC field, capable of providing depth. So when you have a CJ Henderson go down or a Marco Wilson go down, instead of plugging in CJ McWilliams and Brian Edwards, who neither of them can play like, I mean, they're just complete shit. You have a guy like Trey Dean who, yeah, we're mad at him, but Trey Dean's a pretty decent player. I mean, he has some issues this year, but last year he he's played a better, well. He's, he's, he's a better position. corner. I think he's a better yeah. boundary corner. Would probably be a better safety in the long run. And then um, yeah, and then you take you take another. Let's say you have another injury or whatever. The next guy stepping in, Kyir Elam. He's actually played as a true freshman, and, and he's played good. well. I mean, he looks like he looks like he's going to be the next superstar. So we are improving the bottoms of some of these classes. And I mean, those guys are obviously the top or whatever, but Chester Kimbrough, he's a guy that was near the bottom of our class and he's capable. I mean, he's stepped on the field and he's actually capable of keeping up at an sec level. He's already shown it. He's shown he's better than McWilliams in yeah. the short amount of time he's played. So you keep, you keep doing that. You keep building up the back end and you get a whole team. And I'm just wondering what is Mullen ceiling Let's say he doesn't. I mean, he's not going to get up into these nine hundred scores. So the t- the total team composite score. He's not going to have a top five class that's ranked with uh, the three hundred composite. He's not going to have a ton of five stars. It's just not how he recruits. He can still get a couple top end guys. He can get a whole bunch of bottom end guys. Do you think that is enough 
potentially for him to coach his way in preparation, not even just on the game on, on the field, but just coach his way in preparation throughout the offseason to compete with the LSU's, the Georgia's, the Alabama's. I mean, I think so. I mean, I just I just pulled it up while you were while you were talking about all this. Um, for the four classes before before Mississippi State went ten and three, the average ranking was thirty one for Mississippi State. Yeah. So like that was like sure. and that's and that's a massive difference from what we have. Like last year, yeah, it was like tenth, but then it ended up probably being like twelfth or whatever because we had a couple guys not qualify or something like that, right? But you know, like he. Like you were saying, like he's building up the depth at the level that you know we haven't had since. Like Muschamp was a good recruiter, but there's just parts he just didn't recruit well. Like, but he recruited generally well overall. Like he had top classes, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like it's it's interesting. It's like Mullen's like like it's like it's like well, Mullen is like a lesser Muschamp in terms of recruiting, in terms of just overall top talent, but he's building in like more you know, broad talent when it comes to the roster, but he's just a better overall coach than the last two coaches we've had. Like he just understands the football game. He understands the SEC. He understands what it takes to do well. And so you're talking about like ceiling. Like I think if if he can consistently I'm not saying he needs to bring in like Georgia, Alabama, Clemson level classes. He doesn't need to. I think he needs to start bringing in some type, you know, some some elite generational talent like DeMarcus Bowman type guys. You know, like he needs to bring in someone like that every now and then like he it can't be like a let let everyone else take those guys because eventually you're just gonna you're just gonna get outplayed you know like yeah, you're not yeah, um, you're not gonna win a championship without a player or two like that there there's just no team that's ever done that before that i can think of yeah uh, these guys i mean they have their superstars yeah and, and you, i feel like i feel like maybe gervon dexter could be one of those guys you know he could yeah. be one of those yeah. like Derek brown interior defensive you know lineman you just, that just you, dominates you, you want to get a couple of those in each class too. Sometimes you're going to have people who, who flare out and just don't don't compete at that high level, and um, or you know get hurt or just have issues. So yeah, I mean I I agree. I think Gervon Dexter's actually probably. I mean I would have him as a five star. I'm super biased though because it doesn't really matter though. I do think that he is a game changing defensive player. Yeah, we need more of those. Um, I think I think we're on our way to adding some. Uh, we are doing very well. In lining up guys for the rest of this class and the 2021 class, uh, we like can... we're in the, we're in the, we're in the middle of it, and like I don't know, I feel like if he is consistently like maybe like the tenth, like if he's in the top ten, I think we'll be okay. I think if he can sprinkle in a couple of like maybe number seven, maybe maybe creep in like number six overall class every now and then, because that mean that means he's probably bringing in like some of those top you know twenty players that's you know in the country um then i think that's when you're gonna start really seeing for florida compete at you know like instead of losing by seven to georgia maybe we're beating them by seven does that make sense like because like that's that's pretty much what we're doing right now with him i mean he's he's getting classes like that and he's setting up for a class just like that Uh, we're we're fitting into that and i think that the issue is is that people want this elite recruiting they know they're not getting it they want these fast results. If you don't get the fast results, you're hoping, oh, well, I have this elite recruiting, so I'll get fast results soon. That's well, not happening. They want, happening they want with the Mullen. cake and they want to eat it too, like kind yeah. of mentality. But, like, but it's just that's that's not happening with Mullen. It's the it's just the truth, and I hate it. I mean, we we wasted a bump class in my mind. Uh, we we are recruiting at a lower level than we could be, but it doesn't mean we're not getting to where we need to go either. 
Like, this class, does it suck? No. Is it what I wanted it to be? Also no. But it's not like it's bad. You know what I mean? Like, and and we still have some chances. Like, you know, like if the if the the message board rumors are to, you know, be said, there is a chance we might be able to swing a couple of top guys that, you know, a month ago I would have probably doubted we're gonna even be in the class to begin with, you know? So <laughs> We're we're setting up to uh, to have a pretty decent finish. I think for the most part we should be okay there. Um, we'll have a, a recruiting episode to cover that. But yeah, and here's my here's my final thought in this composite score stuff. I have a lot of numbers in front of me. I'm not going to bore everybody by getting into these numbers too much. I may do a post about it later. Uh, I had a had a Georgia fan talking a bunch of shit to me uh, on Reddit today, which is obviously common, you know, and. I think he said he even listened to the podcast. So if you're listening, hey, what's up, man? Um, appreciate all support and listeners. And if you have any any thoughts or whatever, feel free to drop them. We love comments, likes, and all that. And uh, tell your friends. But anyways, he was saying that we're about to get worse. We're losing all of our best players. I was trying to point out that I mean every every college team you're going to lose your best players every single year. You're losing you're losing juniors and seniors. Those are the guys who start. That's just the way it works. I think we're replacing them with higher rated guys, and that's what we've been doing this entire time. And just to give an idea, from the time that Kirby started at Georgia, uh, the initial, let me make sure I have this right, the gap from Florida up to Georgia was 88 points. Georgia was 88 points ahead in the total composite score. After a couple years of recruiting, where Mac was recruiting against Kirby, Kirby is landing these number one, two, and three classes. McElwain was landing number 15 and 23 and whatever the hell it was classes. That gap grew from 88 to 134, excuse me, up to 160. I mean, just insane. Insane. It kept growing. That's like a class. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Mullen steps in, though, and in his first first class, he raises it 40 points for us. These huge amounts that Kirby's raising. Uh, well, Kirby's raising like thirty and sixty points or whatever. But here's here's the other the the biggest piece of all here. There's a ceiling. You can only raise it so high. You can only add so much talent. You can only play so many guys at once. Georgia is basically maxed out. They're at nine hundred sixty points for twenty nineteen. The highest you can get is like in the nine hundred eighties. Alabama's a nine eighty, and they. I mean, I don't think anybody would argue they're pretty much recruiting at a perfect level over at Alabama. They have thirteen three stars on their roster. Everybody else is a blue chip. That's insane. And that's probably where Georgia's heading right now. They're right around there. They may so they they can maybe raise about 20 points. If Mullen keeps recruiting the way that he's recruiting right now, we're going to be losing these garbage classes that Mac brought in and we're replacing them with classes that are going to raise it 20, 30, 40 points. So, when I say, when people say closing the gap, are we adding a ton of elite players and are we getting super close right now to having the talent of LSU and Georgia? Hell no. We're not that close right now. But are we adding the depth? Are we improving? And are we improving more than these other schools? Yes, we are. And I'll, I'll have a post. And I, again, I don't want to get too much into the numbers, but I will drop a numbers post for all of you stats nerds later on, and we can get into that. But I think we're heading in the right direction talent-wise. Now, the Georgia game. What did you think about the coaching? Well, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, I could, I could sit here and just demolish – the coaching staff for a lot of like boneheaded decisions. The only thing I really want to bring up is it's okay to get outplayed 
And honestly, it's okay to get out coached in my mind. Like it's like it's okay. Like does it suck? Yeah. Do you want it to happen? No. What's not okay is when we when we shoot ourselves in the foot to allow us to be out coached and outplayed. Like the the fact that half the wide receivers were wearing the wrong wristbands for the plays. Like what? That, that's that. Like and if and if like and if like that's Dan Mullen's fault. Like I think I saw someone on Reddit post this. Like he shouldn't be worrying about that that should be someone else's job you know and you know and that's probably on billy gonzalez not having them prepared again like i saw he was getting chewed out in the sideline you know yeah it's like, the, the, so so just to just to bring up um the message board rumors on that and uh the, the guys that are pretty close to the program this is billy gonzalez's fault whatever it was it was his job he screwed up something it was on him now i will caveat I, that Billy Gonzalez is the assistant coach for Dan Mullen. This kind of stuff falls on the head coach. So if this is something that you see a lot of, if you have a lot of stupid little mistakes like that, oh, these guys don't understand what's going on. Oh, well, they uh, here's 10 men on the field, multiple games in a row. Oh, here's a stupid penalty because they just don't know. They're not prepared. They didn't show up ready for the game. Right. If that happens repeatedly, that's on the head coach. If it happens once, twice, yeah, it falls on the head coach, but it mostly falls on the head coach to fix it. Well, you yeah. Cannot, I, mean, I mean, you can't force Billy Gonzalez to be a good coach or a good recruiter. Um, if he's going to be a lazy asshole that doesn't give a shit, then that's just what he is. Yeah, I mean, I don't agree. I'm, I'm not saying that, that Mullen shouldn't, should be absolved of all the blame. No, Mullen deserves 100% of the blame. It's his team. He is the CEO. He's the head coach. If someone in the NFL fucks up, who's getting blamed for it roger goodell roger goodell is like why aren't you don't you have stricter policies blah 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 blah. right like it's like because he is the guy in charge and it's up to the guy in charge then to take a step back and evaluate his program and his team it's like cool am i heading in the right direction if this continues to happen do like what what are my options to fix this why well if the guy clearly is is making if billing is always is clearly over multiple games making mistakes. He's not recruiting at all. Like, like as far as we can tell, like he's just not like the rumors that he doesn't want to deal with Devo players. Well, I'm sorry, man, you coach the one position where there's more Devo players than probably any other, all the other positions combined. Like, absolutely like, not like, even like, close. Like, 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 like you probably, <laughs> should, probably should change the position you coach. Them yeah. You, yeah. You don't, don't like Devo's. Go coach um, like tight ends or some shit like that. Seriously, like, like holy fuck! Like that is like, like it, it's just mind blowing. And like I think Dan really needs to evaluate. Like I know Billy is his friend. I know that he's been with him for a long time, but something's wrong. Like like I like it just doesn't seem like Billy is one hundred percent in. Like maybe he's got something going on at home. Maybe you know. He's not focused on the, something is preventing him from pop, from from being as good of a coach as he could be. I'm not saying he's a great coach. I'm saying as he could be. Make that make does that make sense? I, and, yeah, I yeah, it does. And it's like so something needs to happen. Whether it's like you know like like if if Dan doesn't want to get rid of him, then cool man, move him to like you know an off the feet like an off the field role. Because he seems like a pretty charismatic guy, so I'm sure he could probably do well in off the field, and then replace him on the field with an assistant coach who actually wants to try. You know, maybe that's what Billy needs. Maybe some time off from the grind of being a coach. You know, like um, I don't know. 
And maybe there isn't anything wrong. Maybe he's just an idiot. I have no idea. Like, I'm not a coach. I'm not Dan Mullen. I'm not Billy Gonzalez. But from someone who understands the game and the thing I've been watching, is like something's wrong and there's something that needs to be fixed there. And that's 100% on Dan. Like, Dan needs to either improve his coaching staff in terms of making sure they're on their game or he needs to replace the guys who are not holding their weight with ones who will. Like, that, that, that's you, how a championship team is built. Do you lose faith? And Dan Mullen, if he doesn't do something by moving Billy to something else next year, if Billy's in the same position next year, do you lose a little bit or a lot of bit of faith in Dan Mullen? Uh, no, unless he starts to continue to make the same mistakes, then I would. Okay. See, here, my, my opinion, my, my feelings of it is that Dan knows him enough and trusts him enough, obviously, to bring him with him from Florida to Mississippi State, then back to Florida, right? Um, if he comes in next year as the wide receiver coach, and you know Dan's confident about the season, whatever, and and then Billy doesn't make any mistakes. Then Mio, maybe maybe they got to figure it out. You know, like like I said, like maybe something's going on in Billy's life that we don't know about. And like you know, personal lives can affect your job, and that's his job as being a coach. You know, like I, and so maybe he's got something going on. But if he it does come back and he continues to make boneheaded decisions, he continues to have people lined up incorrectly, not running the right routes. His wide receiver recruiting is just as bad as it is this year. Then, yeah, I will lose a little bit of faith in Mullen being able to make the proper decision because he's not—he's no longer making decisions based off of like he's making decisions based off emotion rather than necessity. Does that make sense? Like, yep. and and that's when coaches fail is when they yeah. use emotion to dictate it right or wrong. Like that's the way it is. Like. We, let's talk about Muschamp for a minute. And Muschamp was always... Oh, angry. can we not? No, no, no. no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm just messing around. Let me use that as an example. Like, he was always angry and yelling and getting pissed off. But his, his players loved him, right? But it's like, it's just like emotion can cloud your judgment. Like, never make, never make emotional decisions. Like, always sleep. Kind of how I think about it, right? But it's like, if Dan refuses to replace Billy, if Billy continues to make these bad mistakes... Then, then yeah, I have, I'm losing a little bit of faith in Dan Mullen being able to make the right decisions for the program because that's not the right decision. Like, you don't – like, it's just like – I don't know. Like, the best way I, – I can't really give an example that, you know, and, like, I probably would do the same thing. If, like, my friend was working for me and he was doing bad, I'd probably look the other way because it's my friend. Like, it's my friend. I don't want to lose him as a friend, you know, but – but at the end of the so, day, you're you're the boss. These are your employees. Yeah. These guys are yeah. running your system, your vision. Yeah, I, I'm going to be on the uh, flip side. I, I don't want to be the guy that says I'm going to lose faith just off of one move or one lack of a move, but I will. I will lose faith if Billy Gonzalez isn't in some kind of different role. If we don't do something to adjust it, if we don't bring, I mean, just whatever we have going on right there, it is not working. He has had a ton of issues on the field. And he already at Mississippi State and Florida, he's always had issues off the field in recruiting. If he can't do either, what good is he? Yeah. So like, I mean, like, the, recruiting, like... yeah, the recruiting is not going to get any better. It's just it yeah. is what it is for him. So either either we uh, we just take the the lack of skill in players that he grabs and hope that he can coach him up without him actually coaching him up, or you know we move <laughs> on and get somebody who's actually talented in there and uh, yeah. who actually well not, not even talented who gives a shit. If he starts giving a shit, then yeah, I mean, I'll have less faith if we keep him around, but that can turn around. I can change my mind. It's just he has not shown that he cares. 
I so that's 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 my big thing with him. Um, I was really frustrated with Todd Grantham, as I think everybody else was. I think I saw a stat the other day that was uh, David Wonderlick or some, somebody had put it out saying talking about third and Grantham and uh, pers- like the amount of uh, third down conversions or something like that, like or, or the number of times where they've allowed like fifty percent or greater third down conversions. He's he's basically doubled the amount of third down conversions allowed. What Muschamp did, what McIlwain did, McIlwain, fucking McIlwain, what Meyer did. Like he just cannot stop it. It is a pattern. It's just what he he does. He lets it go, and I don't understand it. And he is the exclusive reason why in the last episode I took Georgia to win. I thought that we would win the game if he ran a defense that we were capable of playing and that I thought that we should run. If we were going to play physical, if we were going to play man, if we were going to play up to stop the run and force Fromm to make some awkward throws in the tight windows, he didn't do that. And I didn't expect him to do that. And I told myself after the LSU game, I took us to beat LSU for the same exact, <clears throat> for the same exact reason, just kind of on the flip side. I thought he would be able to do that because it was so easy to see the way to play defense against LSU, or at least the way not to play defense against LSU. Well, he threw our defense out there. He played the way not to play against them. So I had zero faith in him changing for a school like Georgia. And he proved me right in a very disappointing fashion. I did, I did not want to see him make the same mistake again, but he's shown nothing for, to me to make me think that he's going to do otherwise. And he came out, he did it again. Our defense was just garbage. Uh, we were able to stop the run at first on first and second down. And would we allow 12 of 18 third down conversions? Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, I mean, a bunch of them were like five to 10 yards or maybe even more than 10 yards. I mean, they were long third downs too. It was just, it was crazy. Um, well, I, I did a lot of, I did a lot of research into our assistant coaches and their his their past history in different defenses. And I mean, I'm going to put a lot of the blame on Grantham because certain Grantham, I think is a thing. And, his, it, for whatever reason, it, it's just not like it, it just happens. Like, like people get third down conversions all the time. But uh, Torian Gray, I like Torian Gray. I think he's pretty good, but he has a tendency to like to coach zone corners. Um, that's they did that a lot with Bud Foster at Virginia Tech, um, and. That could be like, you know, we've been complaining about, you know, like Elam and Henderson and Marco playing, you know, soft zone coverage and not playing man to man because that's what Torian Gray, Torian Gray is, he's, he's a, he's a unique cornerback coach. So he doesn't like his corners to be taller than six foot. He doesn't like that. He'll recruit them if, if they're, they, if they're good, but he won't, he doesn't like that. He prefers shorter corners. Um, and he likes zone coverage. Zone coverage is his preferred way of running a secondary. And uh, Ron English, on the other hand, is a really big proponent of man coverage. So that's why the safeties look like they're probably out of like it's just it's three different types of coaches. You got Grantham, Gray, and and English, and I'm not sure if they're on the same page to be honest. Because that secondary has been the worst part of our defense so far this year, which is weird. We, we are nowhere near being able to claim DBU this year. And yeah. there's no reason we shouldn't be. We have the talent there. We have guys who are capable of going in the first or second round that back there. Um, 
CJ Henderson, easily capable of a first round pick. Marco Wilson, if he was playing well this year, he could, you know, be a second round pick. I don't know if he's going to get to that right now, but I'm hoping he does. Uh, Kyrie Elam, that's another guy who's a uh, future first round pick, potentially. Even Trey Dean, he showed flaccid, flashes last year of being a first round pick. He's flaccid. Future flaccid uh like tofurry but because there is not enough blood in the world to get him up with his horrible horrible disfigurement that nobody should laugh at we should really all keep him in our prayers but yeah the uh, it's just we have all these talented players back there at least at cornerback i'm not gonna get into safety we're not playing like we have good corners and it's frustrating to see i'm hoping that we make some kind of change there and the change i want is Ron English to get the fuck out of here? Yeah, because Ron I don't. I'm. I just don't think it's a fit. I don't think he's a fit recruiting wise. I don't think he's a fit with his stupid ass rotation that he's pulling. Um, I mean, I like man coverage, but I don't know why you'd want a bunch of safeties who play man coverage when we are a team that recruits a bunch of elite cornerbacks who can no, play man. Our, our safeties aren't built for that, and that's what I'm trying to say. It's like we're not on the same page in the secondary, and I'm not sure if that's like a Grantham believing in his assistants and letting them kind of like, you know, do what they want to do. And like, he like kind of calls the plays and they kind of call the personnel. Like, I don't know. Right. Um, because David Turner seems to be having no issues recruiting and d- developing guys. Like our defensive line is playing so much better this year than it was last year. Like it really is like in terms of just run defense and pass defense. Yeah. I know we've had moments where we're getting shredded, but it, it you know, your your defensive line can't hold, hold up forever if your corners and safeties are, like, fucking running into each other and they have no idea what they're doing, right? Like, um, but, like, I'll give you an idea. Our defense is talented, so right now, I know of a few NFL teams who still have C.J. Henderson as a potential first-round pick for them. I know right now that there are there's three different scouts that I have spoken to that have Sean Davis going in the second round so we've got guys back there who could go to the draft this year and get drafted high um there's like the those three teams i talked about sean davis are salivating over his potential they think that he is the most talented safety that we have produced um since uh matt elam i just say how much have we wasted him yeah like like we we have i mean we won't even use him all the way this year did he play last year he played uh, nickel corner last year. Who were our safeties last year? I'm, I'm blanking on it right now. Our safeties last year were, uh, um, we had. Yeah, we they were we must have been excellent. Yeah. They had the same guys. Back. We had Brad Stewart back there and Steiner. We had Steiner. Think, we were fucking starting so. Steiner again. And uh, Brad Stewart, yeah, what the hell? Sean Davis uh, had, a, had a couple flashes when McElwain, McElwain was playing Michigan. Uh, he played in that game, I think. A bit along with, um, I think we're starting a bunch of freshmen there, um, Marco Wilson and CJ Henderson both. But uh, yeah, he just kind of fell off the map. We haven't used him. So there we go. We have a guy who has second round capable talent who's barely even played at all. I can't even call him a starter. I doubt he's actually been the number one guy in the field in any of his seasons. And how the hell does so that happen? Here's our depth chart for the Florida State game last year cornerback um, one with CJ Henderson, backed up by Brian Edwards. Corner two is Trey Dean, backed up by CJ McWilliams and Dre Massey. Remember Dre Massey? Um, <laughs> yeah. Do um, I ever? Chauncey Gardner Johnson was a star, and he was good there. He was good. Yeah, he played. He um, killed it there. We missed him. Um, 
the starting safeties, well, it says or on both of them. It says Brad Stewart or Jawan Taylor and Donovan Steiner or Sean Davis. But if I recall correctly, Sean Davis played a lot more nickelback last year than anything else. He just um, didn't play much last year because we had, I think we had Chauncey the entire, I don't know if he came off the field. Yeah, like, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like, there's, there, there are some guys that are really watching Sean Davis and he's like, when he's on the field, I'm not saying he's perfect and I'm not saying that he is the best safety we've had in a while. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I have heard from people that think he has more talent than any safety we've had since Matt Elam. Okay. Yeah. Um, and like, it's because we, he's never, he's never really played. Like this is his first real season of playing. And I'm pretty sure I could do a deep dive and I might actually do this now just to prove a point. I'm going to do a deep dive. And I'm going to look at the success rate of our defense when he's on the field versus off the field. Well, we had, I think there was an article that basically did something similar with, uh, the Sean Davis and Brad Stewart combo, and then the yeah. Donovan Steiner and Jawan Taylor. And yeah. I, I imagine that whatever you do will have very similar numbers. I think he's outside of this last game. Uh, he's played with Brad Stewart most of the year. Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I saw the, the <clears throat> article about them potentially moving Steiner to star <clears throat> and then moving um, Trey Dean to safety. And I kind of want to see that because Steiner, the dude, he, we give him a lot of shit and, He's not a really good safety, but he's more of like a it's kind of like a hybrid linebacker safety, which would be perfect for that position. And yeah, maybe we should. And the dude can tackle when he does actually tackle. You know, like he can tackle. He's just out of position most of the time because he's trying to he's there he's he's not a really a coverage guy, you know? And I don't know, I kinda of wanna see that just because like that just to me feels like that would eliminate some of the potential issues because because Trey Dean is way too talented to be wasted in a position that he's not, he clearly is not comfortable playing. Like he is not a physical guy. He, he wasn't a physical guy last year. Like, yeah, he was, he played a lot of man coverage at corner and he was good at it, but he's definitely more of the, the let me drop back and cover type guy um, versus let me get physical within your face. You know, he showed, he just showed too much talent. To have, I mean, he had a big drop off or whatever, but you don't just lose that kind of talent. It's not like he got injured; he didn't slow down or anything. He has the ability, so I agree. We need to put him somewhere where he can succeed. And maybe the reason we don't have him on the outside anymore, maybe it's just personnel wise. But you mentioned that uh, Torian Gray likes shorter corners. Isn't Trey Dean six one six two? He's six foot three. Six three. There you go. So he's got some. Yeah. He's got some length. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's a Torian Gray move right there, putting him in yeah. as kind the of the, the tallest the tallest cornerback right now. Because I'm not going to count him as a cornerback. The tallest cornerback on the roster right now is Kyrie Elam. He's six foot two, even. Um, C.J. Henderson is six foot one. Marco Wilson is six foot uh, six foot flat, um, and then uh, Chester Kimbrough is six foot flat. So they, he he does like like I said, he prefers shorter guys. I don't think Grantham doesn't though. Grantham likes taller. I think I think Kimbrough's a little shorter than that too. But yeah, well, they, I think uh, they measured him at like five eleven and like like whatever. Like he's, he's pretty much, pretty much almost six foot. So I, I'm yeah, maybe, like, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll round up for him, you know. But um, but giving an example, if you remember the Fullers that played at Virginia Tech, yeah. the tallest one is actually Kendall Fuller, who plays for uh, the Falcons, and he's barely five foot eleven. Um. And you know, and uh, D'Angelo Hall was five foot nine. 
Um, there's a lot of a lot of corners that when he was really in charge of recruiting the secondary, Torian Gray, he went short. He likes short guys who can play zone, who are fast because they can cover more ground versus physical in-your-face cover type corners that we currently have on the roster. The thing is, I think Grantham and by association Dan prefer that in their defenses, and that's why he's recruiting. But you can tell that it's not necessarily. I don't know. If, I don't know if he's a good fit. Like I don't know if he's if he's a good fit again. Like I think when he was here before, it, we did okay. Like he's a good he's a good coach. I just don't know if he's the right fit for us. I think he's a great recruiter. I just don't know if he's the right fit for what we're trying to do. So it's it's interesting uh, looking at. I'm looking at the 2020 commits right now. Uh, the defensive back guys we have. We have Avery Helm out of Texas, uh, relatively highly ranked. He's six foot two on here, mm-hmm. uh, a cornerback. And Jahari Rogers is the other highly ranked cornerback we have. He's six foot zero. Uh, I think both of them are expected to play corner. I mean, maybe Helm would move to safety, but I'm under the impression he's straight up corner along with Rogers. The yep. other corner. Uh, we have potentially two, at least one. Uh, Trevez Johnson is 5'11". I think we're bringing him in as a nickel. Uh, and I'm pretty sure Torian Gray loves him and offered him on the spot when he saw him at one of the 7-on-7 seven seven camps. And then uh, Fenley Graham. Have you watched much film on him? Good old Fenley? Yeah, the dude. The dude, he's fast, man. So Yeah, um, I mean, do you, do you like the take? He's a five eight and a half, 171 pounds. He plays cornerback and wide receiver and kick returner. He does it all. Yeah, and honestly, I know it says he's a corner on this. But I think they might be transitioning him into like a uh, like a Tony type role when he comes in here. That's um, what I'm wondering because he is really fast, but he doesn't have that big of a frame. So I don't know if he'd be able to stand up in like like he probably could do it. I mean. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, it just really depends what we're looking at. But like I said, like, keep in mind, I'm saying Torian Gray prefers shorter guys. That is, that is, that is factual. But Grantham doesn't, and that's why Torian's kind of like, okay, cool. I can work with this guy. I can work with this guy. But that might not be what. That might be why we haven't like really offered a lot of the elite, elite corners or offering as many as you might think we would, because Torian's going to be very picky because he needs a very specific type of skill set when he coaches them. Um, and that's just the way he is. I mean, Travis Johnson is a shorter guy. The dude can play. He's a baller. Um, I feel like he should be higher ranked than he is. Um, yeah, he got he got a bump up to uh, I think what was it six hundreds, eight hundreds from yeah. like two thousand. Not nearly enough, but at least they're finally giving him, I guess, uh, a little credit. I don't know some some bullshit either way. But Rashad, from the tape I've watched of Rashad Torrance, this guy should not be the 368th ranked player in in the country. Like he is really good. I actually was, think, I actually think he's the best defensive back in our class. He was very highly rated originally. I think uh, Georgia and Alabama were both after him at one point. And just looking at the 247 composite. At one point, he got up to a point nine zero four six. That's up to a you know decently high four star. Let's see, uh, they don't they don't have the history on here. They lie. They lie like a fucking. Rug. Well, I, I remember, but, I remember, I remember seeing that he was like a borderline five star a couple years ago when. Yeah, he was he was one of the first guys ranked because he was actually yeah. well known. And I think he I, I I don't know if he got injured, but I know that he had to sit out a year because of some weird transfer issues, and he had some credits, and I think yeah. he. Went to a school that he probably shouldn't have. Maybe out in California, or I don't know. The same. There's another kid from California, I think, who had the same issue. Maybe it was just Marietta, but either way, 
he, he's had some issues and they've never recovered his ranking because of it, even though all those guys are talking up how talented he is, how dominant he is in the field and how he shows out. And he's the, he's now, the guy that's noticeable in Marietta. If you're, list, if you're listening to this podcast, um, I have done a lot of, I've watched a lot of tape. I've actually paid for like the premium tape and shit. Like I've watched a lot of tape on these guys. Yeah, our boy, our boy Hammer here has um ha- has a lot of knowledge about this. He's worked in offices where this was his job, so he knows what he's talking about. I know what I'm talking about in regards to just getting players and stuff. But uh, Hammer's your guy on, on scouting films, so I was curious, and, and that's why I was wondering what you were saying about yeah, Fenley Graham no, right there. Yeah, Fenley Graham was good. I haven't watched a whole lot of him yet. Like, wrote a lot, but um, like Rashad Torrance, like just watching everything he has done on film. Like, I, like I don't know. I mean, this might be hyperboil. I don't know. It might be ridiculous. Like you're talking about how you think Gervon Dexter should be a five star. I I feel like Rashad Torrance should be a five star. That's how good I think he is. Think he could have that kind of impact at least, which I, would be I huge. Think, I think he could potentially be a starting safety next year. Like if things, yeah. you know, like he is. He's an early enrollee. Um, he's going to be signing early, and. I think that he can make an immediate impact next year. At he's, play, he's playing it in the elite at an elite school with elite talent and against elite yeah. talent. So he's got. Yeah. Uh, I will. I will say one note on that in that exact line there. Uh, looking forward to next year. You mentioned Sean Davis could be going early. It sounds like I think he will, especially if he gets grades like that, like you had mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, Brad Stewart seems like a guy who may end up leaving the program uh, either to go early or just to leave. I don't know. He's had some issues here. I'm not necessarily counting on him being back. So yeah, the safety position is going to be wide open. Uh, Jawan Taylor's gone. Jawan Jawan Taylor, I think that is. Yep. Uh, so we gone. have Steiner. Yep. So we'll have Steiner. Maybe we'll have Trey Dean. We'll Dean. But yeah, I think from what I understand, people are pretty confident about our safety position next year, which is why they haven't been in a rush to just add somebody to add somebody. Everybody's wanted that, and it's been surprising. But maybe they're confident in Rashad Torrance. I know when we added him, this was back in. Was it the spring he committed? Uh, I'm trying to look at the exact timeline here. He committed in December of 2018. There you go. Yeah, but last December. I know that when when his commitment was upcoming, nobody knew who, or at least most people didn't know who was committing, but they all knew a commitment was coming. And what people were saying was that this guy was one of the guys the staff was most excited about, and they had him basically as one of the top guys on their board. So they probably see him in a similar vein that you do. Um, obviously he has basically zero impact on our actual class standing. So that is what it is. No, he's, he's, um, he's, he's excellent. Like, I feel like he'll definitely compete. Potent- I mean, worst case scenario, uh, cause considering he's an early enrollee, that just gives him a leg up on a lot of competition. Um, which means he'll go through a whole off season with Nick Savage. Like he'll be ready to go when we kick off, um, you know, versus like having to kind of get his body into the game. Um, I'm excited to see him play. I feel like he's probably the best defensive back we have in our class. Um, he's, and you know, he's I was probably, I was about to get into uh, like Mark Britt and all that because we just added him as a uh, potential wide receiver or safety. I think he's taken yeah. as a safety. But then I was going to actually it, it got me thinking. Did we finish our Georgia discussion? We we are off the rails as we knew we would be. We did warn everybody. Yeah, we have no Tofer here to keep us in line. Do we have much more in Georgia? Not really, man. I really don't want to talk about Georgia. 
Ah, yeah, I know. Fuck them, right? If yeah. you're a Georgia fan listening for a bunch of tears, fuck you. Go to hell. We're going to beat your asses next year. But and, thank you uh, for listening. Yeah. Thank you. We, we appreciate your listens, like and everything like that, but fuck you for real. Yeah. Um, I'm glad Kirby lost to South Carolina. He's going to do that every single year. He's going to lose to a team he shouldn't lose. He is a piece of shit that will never win a title despite what Hammer said in the other episode. I'll never forgive you for that either. But anyways. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, we're going down this whole track of uh, maybe maybe roster build up for next year. What are we talking um, about now? Let's find out. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go down the list. Um, yeah. So, we, we have – you had mentioned uh, Fenley might – play wide receiver i've been right. wondering that we have rashad torrens we have the two corners from texas uh avery helm and uh jahari rogers we have trevez johnson from florida he's a nickel that's four right there who am i missing johnson, um, play, johnson, johnson might play safety to be honest with you i think he he he's a really hard hitter like he is no, he, he, he lays tape. people out you watch he does tape. I'm pretty sure some kids have died. Uh, he has, he has <laughs> committed. He, like, watch, yeah, I, watch I, I look at that and I go, holy shit. Like, there's no way that that 16-year-old <laughs> 135-pound kid just survived that hit. Like, there's no way. I want to uh, say his main, his main huddle film, yeah, I think it's the second play where he just destroys it. Just go watch it if you haven't. If you yeah. haven't watched it because he's a lower-living kid, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice. Watch the kid play. You'll be excited about so, him. I, like I said, I watched the play. I think he needs to be higher ranked than he is. I think he has a ceiling. I don't think like he's going to be a great coverage safety. He doesn't have to be amazing. He just be okay. Like he's going to be someone that I could completely see them grooming to play the star position because he you don't want to get hit by him. Like he will fuck you up. And he's like a heat-seeking missile and he's got a lot of uh he's got a solid frame. He could pack on a lot of muscle without losing um any of his speed. And I don't know. That's something that's definitely going to be someone to look out for. But he needs he needs a lot of on his um, his technique. Um, if he's going to play corner or anything like that, like he doesn't know how to use his hands. His hands are just kind of just like it's like the wacky waving flable arm <laughs> waving tube man. Like he just fucking yeah. like he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. Right, and that's fine. Like he's a lower ranked three star. Plays at Bartum Trail in Jacksonville, Florida. So you know he probably doesn't have the greatest coaches. Developing, I think, I think they're coaches. one of. I think they're one of the top teams in the in the state actually this year. Believe it or not, but well, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Nah, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just arguing to argue. You know me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we okay. have, yeah, so that's that's four defensive backs. We have Fenley Graham, who may or may not play DB. He may play wide receiver, but let's say he yeah. does play DB. That's five. Mark Britt, supposedly taken as a safety. That's six. We're still recruiting Avante Williams. We will recruit him until the end, as far as I'm aware. Um, that would be seven. And then Ethan Pouncey is a definite take for us at cornerback. And after his recent decommitment from Texas, along with his brother's uh, announcement of transferring, there is a decent chance that we get both Pounceys on board. Uh, we have a little bit of a ways to go with that. I'm not going to put us at over 50% or anything, but if I had to just pick a school to guess, I, I think they want to play together. If I had to pick a school to guess, I'd probably guess us for it. Um, Maybe Auburn would get in on it. I really don't know. Auburn's weird. They and they're they're not they're not related to the other pounds, right? They are. I think they're cousins or second cousins oh, okay. or something. There's there's some kind of relation there, from what I understand. So there's okay. there's a family connection because they're from Winter Park, um, where our our buddy Terry Dactyl, uh is not dropping big enough bags yet. But once he gets yeah. down there and actually starts giving the bags that we tell him to give, 
then I think we'll make this happen. So either way, that's that's like seven or eight I mean, defensive cool. backs. I mean, if both of them came on, that'd be great, but I'm not necessarily too... I mean, they both look like they're Auburn leans looking at them right now, but... Um, I, I, well, I, I'm going to tell you, the uh, those crystal balls are bullshit because those were there were a bunch, I think 100% came in for Pouncey before he committed to Texas, so nobody was able to change it. Okay. So I don't I don't know if he's an Auburn lean at all, but we'll we'll see. It's it's up in the air. We're we're doing all right with there. Uh, Jordan Pouncey is a wide receiver who can play right away. Yeah, that's pretty damn big. Wouldn't it be nice we, to have one of those? We, we need those. So we're looking for that. Um, there are rumors that I, I, I'm 100 percent sure we're going to be adding some transfers. Um, Jordan Pouncey might be one to watch. Uh, we may. I don't think we'll add a defensive back, but I, I really think we'll add at least one wide receiver and probably a defensive lineman. And um, supposedly, maybe a big name out there, too. So we'll have to see. Um, pretty excited about that because we sure as hell need it on the defensive line. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I've looked yeah. into a lot of um, potential transfers for Florida. And if we're going to tra- target someone who is in the portal, who can play and isn't doesn't have some bullshit, like wanting to go to law school or whatever, like I really would hope that we'd go after Theo Howard to play. I think from what I, from what I understand, it's probably a guy, a guy not in the portal yet. But go on, who's Theo Howard? So Theo Howard is a wide receiver at UCLA. He initially was a was a Jim Mora recruit, and the, you guys UCLA sucks. Like we we all seen that UCLA is just straight up terrible. And he actually caught. I think he caught. Yeah, let's see. I have right here. Um, so he was a former blue chip wide receiver. He was ranked in like the top 150 when he came out. And he's playing. You, you know how bad UCLA was a couple years, like the last couple years, right? They've been pretty terrible. I think they've won as many games in the last couple years as we went as we won the entire last year, right? Who's their coach, anyways? Oh, I think his name is Chip Kelly, something like that. God, who would um, want him? Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, he's caught fifty plus passes the last two, which is really impressive because he's legitimately the only guy on that offense to throw to like all their other wide receivers combined have caught less than 50 passes um the guy's good he's legit he's a, he is fast he is he knows how to run routes he's the son of a coach um like he's a solid player and he wants to play he, he's he's sitting out this season he's got one year of eligibility left he's immediate start like in terms of like he can transfer and play immediately um and he wants to come to the East because uh, he, I think he, he's originally from California and he wants to just kind of get out of the West coast area. He's like, he wants to go to the East coast. So, um, I don't know. I feel like that's someone that we should target because I'd be all for it. I, we need, you know, we need, I mean, I mean honestly, Ron, Ron English, do your, do your <laughs> magic, you know? So something, something weird happened when Mullen first came in, he added a few transfers. He added two wide receiver transfers, uh, Van Jefferson and Trevon Grimes. And then he added the defensive line transfers, uh, Adam Schuler, who happened in the same year as those two, and then the year afterwards, Jonathan Grenard. Two DL transfers brought in through the portal, two wide receiver transfers brought in through the portal. We have had huge issues in recruiting those positions. Uh, last year, we could not, for the life of us, get the elite guys interested. And I'm wondering if maybe this portal, while adding these elite players, I, I'm thinking it actually limited us i mean we're already not a great recruiting team it limited us even more in being able to land these top guys so now that those guys are all graduating every single one that i named is gone after this year all those portal guys 
we're stuck in a position again where we're going to have to hit the portal again. Um, I think Mullen actually sees this. It'd be hard not to. So right now we're in a position where we probably need to add one to two receivers to the portal, and we're definitely going to have to add two defensive linemen at a minimum. And that's over the next next two years, maybe three. I mean, it's just add some wide receivers. I'm not as concerned defensive line recruiting going forward. Um, Sal Sincere just didn't give a fuck. Like he just (laughs) like he he didn't care. He knew he was probably going to get a better job. Like he was just there because his old pal Dan Mullen asked him to, you know, and so and now he's I think he's back in Alabama. He knew he was just going to get an upgrade in wherever he's going. And so he's also he's also sixty years old. He doesn't give a fuck. Like he didn't want he didn't care. And that's why we couldn't recruit defensive line to save our life because our defensive line coach probably didn't give a fuck. Just like how Billy Gonzalez right now doesn't give a fuck. That's why we can't recruit wide receivers. So, so it's a combination of bringing in transfer targets and yeah. position coaches that just don't give a, well, give a funny I, shit. I, I have been told um, by people that, that I trust that Trevon Grimes and Van Jefferson didn't even speak to Billy Gonzalez before they actually joined the staff. Like That was a Dan Mullen um, and fucking Steve Spurrier job was getting those yeah. guys involved. Yeah, like like so... Um, fully believe that. Fully and, believe that. Every single yeah. word right there. <laughs> and well, Adam okay. Schuler, Adam Schuler was was a Todd Grantham guy, so it wasn't even South Siri bringing him in, and so was Grenard. So oh, yeah, both both uh, Grenard is a guy that uh, Grant Grantham knew well. He recruited yeah. him. I'm, I'm sure he recruited Schuler back then too. But yeah, yeah. so it was big, like big time ads. Yeah. So and so, so let's, and also okay. and also it seems for whatever reason I think because Dana Hogerson was the head coach at West Virginia at the time when we did get Schuler. Um, he has a really good relationship with Dan, so I'm sure it was one of those things where it was like, "Hey, you're looking to transfer. I know you look. I know you're defensive line. You should look into this guy." And Dan's like, "Well, I will." It's it probably like one of those layups from another coach because he knew he wasn't going to stick around at West Virginia. Um, so it made sense for him to reach out to people that he trusted, you know. And you know, Dana Hogerson, for all of his faults at Houston right now, um, I've heard he's a, he's a great guy when it comes to his players, and so it was probably him doing a service for Schuler by getting him, you know, in touch with Dan. It's great to hear. I'm, I'm, well, supposedly not a great guy for his players at Houston right now, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's a different story. Yeah, back yeah. back at West Virginia, though, maybe he was helping his guys get out of town. Okay, yeah. so let, let's go Give defensive line for a mess. second. You said you're not worried. I'm worried. I'm going to tell you why I'm worried. Let's see uh, if you can make me feel a little bit better. Okay. Um, we have Luke Ancrum gone after this year. Not that yep. worried about that. I'm kind of happy, but he's a depth piece. Uh, we have Adam Schuler, 100% gone. Both those guys graduate. They can't. They have no more eligibility. Uh, Schuler's pretty big loss, at least numbers-wise and depth-wise. We will return four juniors. Um, maybe one Three. as a red, four. We have Marlon Dunlap, who has an extra. He has. He's listed as a senior on 247, but I think he has one more year of eligibility. And I might be wrong on that, but I'm almost no, positive. So Mar- Marlon, Dun- Marlon Dunlap should return. Slayton should Slayton. return. Campbell. Campbell's probably going to leave. That, okay, um, so that, that's the, okay, so that's what I'm getting at. We have four juniors slated to return. How many stay? I think, I think, okay, I give it about a 50% chance Campbell declares for the draft right now. 50%. The reason why is because, like, he's actually really good. Like, he's actually playing. He's actually having a great season. He's just playing out of position as a nose guard um, because he's, just, he's, a, he's a team player, and he's getting pretty – decent reviews right now from guys in the league so he might be someone that does leave early but he might not get a good enough grade to justify it so he might come back to show up 
in his senior season. Well, so hopefully I would, we can, yeah. Hopefully we can add uh, whatever whatever piece we need to be able to let him sort of play in a better position. Yeah, and maybe raise his draft stock because well, we really need him back. Well, Adam Schuler is great. Adam Schuler is great. You know, he's um, he's also like I don't know, like, like this defensive line is very very intriguing to me in terms of um. Kyrie Campbell really isn't a nose guard either, but he's kind of the best option we have. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I mean, it's, he'd be better. Exactly. At, <laughs> he'd be better as at a defensive tackle, but Schuler would not be. Like, he's just he's too tall. He's too tall and too skinny. He's like he's like six foot four, like two eighty or some shit. Like, he would get dominated as a nose guard. Like, um, and uh, he's more of like a of a slightly chubbier defensive end. Really, Schuler is. So he's not even a true defensive tackle. Um, so know what you're saying. We're losing Jonathan Grenard, losing Jabari Zuniga, we're losing yeah, Adam Schuler. Yeah, we're losing uh, potentially. Let's say one of Slayton or Campbell probably goes. We'll just go with one of them. There's yeah. a good chance at least one of them leaves. Yeah. So you return three juniors in one of those two. Elijah Conliffe, who's not even a guarantee to be healthy. Um, I'm not. Sure. I think he had some concussion issues and he's out the whole year. We'll see if he comes back and plays again. And then Dunlap. You have a true freshman this year who's sitting out the year with an injury in Jalen Humphreys, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's our entire defensive well, line. Well, yeah, like I said, like I said, I'm not concerned going. I didn't say I'm not concerned right now. In fairness, okay, um, I do think we need to hit the portal um, for a couple of guys. I think we need to look for possibly three transfers. Like they don't have to be elite, but like just for depth, you know. Um, we need to at least hit on one of them. Like one of them needs to be a Grenard or Schuler type impact. You know, like um, to give you probably- an idea of the the numbers that we're targeting right now, we have uh, four defensive linemen committed. Is that right? And three, and then um, some hybrid linebacker rush guys. Uh, we're still going for Timothy Smith. Uh, we we are looking to add two defensive linemen and a potential hybrid defensive player who could play maybe a linebacker, D line, somewhere in that range. So we're still looking to add three guys total. Um, we prefer the high school guys, but we're going to have to hit the portal. Go on. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, a defensive tackle right now, I'm looking at the class. We got uh, Gervon Dexter. I'm just going to say who, who we've got committed to us. I'm not going to worry about projecting yet, like potentials. But we've got Gervon Dexter. Uh, we have Derek Wingo, who is more of a, uh, like outside linebacker slash could probably play the buck if he, you know, if we need him to. Um I think Mohamed Diabate is the future of that position next year, though. Um, Bro's elite. So is Bogle, but we'll get... He, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think Bogle's going to transition to more of a linebacker role. Um, just because it's necessary, I think, for the defense. Because um, we're losing David Reese. That's interesting. Hold on. Let's, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not, let's not skip the... Let's not bury this. Hold okay, on. Okay, okay. Line, linebacker there, huh? We have Ventral Miller, James Houston, the elite LeCedric Brunson... We got Amari Bernie back there. We got Tyron Hopper, who was a highly regarded inside linebacker uh-huh. recruit, and then Josiah Pierre. So you think we're going to add Bogle there too? We might because we're losing we're losing Reese. I'm sure Brunson's going to peace out. Um, and where the fuck has James Houston been all of season? I'm sure he might transfer because he sees the riding on. Him. He's got all <laughs> yeah. They they, they they called him out a ton in the beginning of the year, and then. He's yeah. just not even been here, so yeah, I, he might he might have some some things that are keeping him off the field. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what that would be, but yeah, he's been disappointing. We you have be uh, right. Uh, we have Antoine Powell, defensive end. We got yeah. Johnny Brown, defensive tackle. At um, we got Lamar Goods, 
defensive tackle who looks like he's our lowest rated defensive line recruit right now. And he's a four star, um, you know, 330th ranked player in the country. That so Georgia tried to steal. I mean, these guys are good. Yeah, like these are good guys. Plus, we have Brenton Cox. And once forgetting that we got the five-star hybrid linebacker guy from Georgia, um, who honestly like has all the potential in the world to be elite. Um, I don't know if he just like – I have no idea. Do you ever know what the circumstances were for him to leave Georgia? Was it just like yeah, there are, there are a lot of arguments? Yeah, there are a lot of rumors, but – the the consistent thing, he got in trouble for weed. I think he was either arrested or written up or something like that. He he had weed in the dorm. He was one of the guys uh, that got Matthews. got in trouble or had an, had an arrest. Um, he played for them a ton last year. I think that he wasn't demoted, but I think that he was getting fewer reps in spring practice based on the arrest and based on them bringing in the number one Juco defensive end who plays the same position. And then the number one overall player in the country, Nolan Smith. So I think they were splitting reps to those guys um, while, while he had his problems and then he was having to kind of work his way back into the lineup. Um, So that's, that's the one consistency there. Now the reason he left, supposedly there's more to it, but we'll never actually know the real deal, whether or not Georgia called him a racist slur I, that remains to be seen. We haven't heard it, but we haven't not heard it. And we know that Justin Fields had it happen to him. So yeah. I'm just saying there's a chance that that happened. And in all likelihood, it probably did. If I had to guess, just a guess. So if you want me to, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I think this would be pretty fun. I haven't actually released um, a looking to the future feature on, on any defensive position yet. But if I had to predict. Going into the spring game, I'm not going to say this would be a preseason, like opening day roster depth chart, but assuming we don't have anyone transfer in, just because I don't want you to like, 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 I want you to kind of freak out, but also not freak out. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Zach Carter, they're going to build him up and put him inside. He'll be more of a defensive tackle like Schuler because he's the same size as Schuler right now. I think he's just I'm a little too fairly, slow to yeah. play defensive end. Um, yeah, put him inside. If Kyrie Campbell comes back, Kyrie Campbell will be the other defensive tackle. Um, Dunlap, and then possibly Conliff, maybe one of the couple of the freshmen would be the backups at that point. Maybe Jalen Humphreys. I don't know. Maybe he will pick up a lot this season in practice. Um, maybe Gervon Dexter is good enough to play immediately. You know, um, At the buck position, I'm sure it'll be a hybrid of Brenton Cox and Mohamed Diabate split reps to see who's going to be the number one guy there. Um but I don't know if anyone's going to have the same impact as Grenard, so you might see kind of a rotation at that position like we're seeing with the safeties, but both those guys have enough talent that it, it probably would be beneficial. You know, is like At least cool. as a position, that, that rotation makes sense. That's an exhausting yeah. position. You're huge. You're using a lot yeah. of energy, and you want to stay as fresh as possible. It's not yeah. like, oh, you're going to randomly get burnt uh, deep in a, in a long ball or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, and then at, at defensive end, I heard a lot of great things about Andrew Chatfield um, in the offseason. I just don't think he's developed enough yet for them to really put him out there frequently. Plus, Jabari Zuniga is, is a beast. You know, like, it's just, it's hard for him to go off the field. Um, even when he was injured, you know, Zach Carter was taking over that spot. So, like, because Zach Carter's not bad, I think he's better to be built inside, you know? I think um, so, yeah. So, I mean, uh, Chat- I- Chatfield is, uh, I-, I think he's a little smaller too right now. I think he needs to put yeah. on some weight. He's yeah. around Zuniga's size overall, but where or where Zuniga was a couple of years ago. So he can get close to that size. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's built enough yet to really contribute at a consistent level right now. Um, 
So, I mean, I, I can predict that. And that linebacker, you know, you've got, um, you know, Ventral Miller comes back. I could see him coming in. I mean, the guy is has impressed me this year. He's played really well. Um, he's been a little bit out of position sometimes. But, I mean, for a guy who two years ago we were talking about him potentially getting kicked off the team because he was involved in the credit card fraud to now probably being – that that guy next year at linebacker like it's pretty cool you know to see see him you know to grow like that because he seems like he's a he has done everything that the coaches have asked him to do both on and off the field since that incident and i think he's been pretty good so far um you know and then you got amari bernie who will rotate in there a lot um i think houston and, and brunson are going to be gone the only reason i think they play now is because they have experience and hopper and you know bogle and um Pierre. Who else do we have? Josiah Pierre. And Pierre. There's yep. there's they're they're young. Like they know you know, they're young and you know, we know the staff prefers experience over talent. Like they've said it before. Like you Dan Mullen has straight up said, like, you know, if people are equal or close to being equal in terms of talent, the more experienced guy's probably gonna play. You know? And so that's probably why. And I'm sure they'll get a lot more playing time next year. I mean, we have a lot, a lot of blue chip talent that's just chilling right now i think so people, not, and i don't think people realize that like we have a lot both on the offense and defensive side we have a lot of blue chip talent that's just kind of waiting for their opportunity to do well you know i'm excited yeah, to see list, a lot of our starters are three stars right now and yeah. yeah they're the main players in our team but the guys who are going to be stepping in for these guys when they graduate we're, we're filling with four stars right now so yeah when ankrum and Schuler and dunlap and campbell all leave those guys are all three stars Slayton and Conliffe are four stars. Uh, Humphreys, four star. Zach Carter, four star. Chatfield, four star. Bogle and Summerall, who you missed earlier. Um, by oh, the yeah. way, a lot of people thought that one of Bogle or Summerall may end up moving inside of the defensive line, adding a ton of weight. Now, those guys, I think Bogle's about 6'3, 6'4, 220. Uh, Summerall's 6'5, 220. Um, some are look skinny as hell. So I don't know if he is able to add weight or not, but just something to watch for. So, I mean, the, the linebacker thing surprised me, but Grantham and Mullen both have been known to do a lot of hybrid players and guys who uh, can cross position, like uh, play multiple positions and all that rotate around. Plus I can the, see, I can see, I can see Trey Dean moving permanently to safety next year, moving Amari Bernie to star, you know, um, all then, I want is Bernie to play star. He needs to be the uh, Bernie star or Kimbrough in there as a nickel. It's just we're yeah. we're missing that. But I'm hoping next year we have that. Um, the other two players at linebacker, or who I'm considering a linebacker right now, one I hesitate to say because I don't know if if he's going to happen for us. The other I'll say happily, uh, Derek Wingo. I think he's recruited as an inside linebacker. He's recruited to do what David Reese and Bernie are doing right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think, what is it? We have the Mike and the money spot. Yeah. And I, I can't remember exactly. What I mean, I, hip, I, mean I can see, I mean, you're looking at like, this is future, right? But you're looking at, we're going to be building a defense in the next year or two. That's going to have Muhammad Diabate, Hopper, Wingo, Gervon Dexter, and um, Brenton Cox all on the field at the same time. And these are all top 100 guys that we've all yeah. been just begging to get on the field. And we're finally yeah. doing that. We yeah. didn't do that with McElwain. Yeah. And, and like, nice. and a lot of people will think it's like, it's like, listen, like just because they're elite doesn't mean they're always going to play immediately. Some guys are graded as elite because they have a lot of potential, you know? And 
they just, and like they need to be developed properly. They need to be able to build their body, especially in the SEC level. Like the fact that you know you guys saw Georgia's offensive linemen; those guys are big. You know, like like our defensive line have to be in shape to be able to play off against that. You know, and so just because someone's elite and they're not playing when they're a true freshman doesn't mean that they're bad at all. Like it's very rare for a true freshman to step in at any position right now, in my opinion, other than like maybe corner wide receiver or quarterback and make an immediate impact frequently. Like it's probably the, the three main positions, you know, like, yeah, gonna, a lot of them require development too, just yeah. size wise along with yeah. experience. I like mean, you'll have some, you have some defensive linemen, you know, like Ron um, Dexter, uh, yeah. he'll, he'll be able to sit play right away, but you don't have many freaks like that. Yeah. Like, even, even the Dexter guys. already has an SEC caliber body. He'll get, you know, he'll get the savage treatment and he'll, he'll trim some of the fat and add some more muscle you know, explosiveness to his already ridiculous burst. But, um, you know, like he's ready to step in and play day one. Whereas a guy like Lamar Goods, does he have the talent? Yeah, but he's also like 335 pounds. I'm pretty sure a lot of that's probably not muscle. So he's going to have to, <laughs> he's going to probably have to lose a lot of that and then gain it back in terms of like muscle, you know, like look at Ethan hey. White. Like Ethan yeah. White was a lower ranked recruit. Dude was heavy as fuck. And now he's like in shape for what they need him to do. And that's why you also see him now as the backup guard. If you're listening to this, you probably know that Ethan White was 400 pounds. But if you didn't know, Ethan White was 400 pounds. Yeah. And the dude within like, a year, he's, he's down to what, 330 or something? I mean, he's, he's, he's three, looking trim. They put him, they put him, svelte. They have him as at 335. He's at yeah, 335. So, yeah, he's in, and he's he in that looks range. fucking fantastic. Like, dude, even if this guy never plays a single snap ever for Florida, I'm just proud of him because that's fucking hard as fuck to lose almost 70 pounds in in like six months and then like the dude's just like his life has been changed just by being a member of the Florida Gators just based off weight I mean the guy he was a big guy but he was not healthy for an 18 year old it's not healthy to be 400 pounds at 18 like not he did have an he did have a back issue I think I think he was on his ass for a lot of it but not not an excuse to get to 400 pounds either but yeah, so, good for him, and uh, yeah. hopefully we get, I think, either three or four years of him starting from here on out. Yeah, so like, I would love to see but like, But he's just like – but like guys like that just have raw strength you can't teach. Like it's just their frame, their ability to be that big and that strong. It's like a fucking Viking, you know? Like they just – you can't like, – like, oh, fuck. It's like – but that's what he is. Like he was a Viking, has no skill whatsoever, you know? So if he went up against like a samurai, he'd probably get his ass kicked. He doesn't fucking know how to fight, right? But is, now, I really need to see this right now. The the samurai Ethan White battle. Yeah. Um I Love mean, that's, that. what, that's just what it is. You know, like, it's the best comparison I can give to guys like that. They're just they're raw. They have a lot of talent, but they don't know really how to play the position. And and you can't teach that. You can't teach raw strength. You either have it or you don't. Like you can teach you can build strength. I, like, like I could go work out for the next year with a professional bodybuilder and I could probably be strong as fuck next year. Like I probably can, but I'm sure Ethan white could probably pick me up and eat me, you know, like, because he's, he's just bigger and stronger than I'll ever be. I don't have the frame to be anywhere near to his level. Right. And that's what people need to understand is that these, a lot of these, a lot of these kids are talented and they're blowing up these other high school kids and tape and shit, but they're not ready to play d1 football immediately especially at the sec level not a lot of them some of them are but not a lot of them right and 
that's why you're going to start seeing like Hopper and Diabate and Summerall and, you know, Bogle and the, the um, five true freshman offensive linemen that we added. Yeah. We haven't, yeah. I mean, we haven't seen them play yet. Ethan yeah, White's going to see them named. play and play a lot next year. A, because it's not going to, they don't have a red shirt to burn anymore, you know? And B, because they're ready. Like they have the physical ability to play. They probably all have the mental ability to play right, but they need to be, have the physical ability to play and understanding the defense, understanding the concepts. Like for all of his faults, I have heard that Grantham runs a very complicated scheme. Um, and when it works, as we can, we've all seen in the past, it's it's like it's beautiful. Like when his defense is clicking, it's it is really really great to watch. Um. So I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be time. People gotta be patient. Like fucking, I don't know. I'm I'm like kind of in a rant right now. But Dan Mullen <laughs> is probably gonna win 10, 11 games this year. Probably eleven games this year, and he's gonna win twenty one games with a roster comprised mostly of McCants and yeah, it, a lot of. I think what what are we at seventy total scholarships? I mean, it's something insanely low. Yeah. Our numbers are low. Our depth is low. Our talent is low, and that's not on Mullen. That's on McElwain. Uh, he's yeah. only Mullen's only improved that. Uh, Huggins gone from the team, and that's that's nobody's fault but himself. Uh, Chris Steele gone from the team, and honestly, I mean, you can hate on Mullen going for going to California and actually getting him, but that was just a shit luck situation. Yeah. We're losing all of these. Well, the dude ended up transferring days. from the team he transferred from us for. So it's like that guy was yeah. just fucking crazy. Like, yeah, he's, like, he's all Mullen, over it. Supposedly didn't like, even like workouts, so we'll we'll see what he does. He's he's playing well at USC, but yeah, who knows? Now, Dan Mullen has made us a steak dinner with a pork chop. I do like pork chops. I do no. like pork chops, but he's made us a steak dinner with one. Like that's like that's what people need to understand. Is like like yeah, do I do I kind of shit on him a little bit? I do, you know, whatever. Like it's fine, but I it's not because I. I shit on him because I don't like him. It's because like I see the potential and what he's capable of doing here. And I and like he has to I'm not saying he has to massively improve it. He needs to marginally improve getting top top talent in. I'm not saying bring in top five classes, saying like if there's a five star fucking cornerback in like Ocala, he needs to play at Florida. You know what I mean? Like like he needs to start bringing in some top guys from Florida, the state of Florida. To play for us. I don't like to see them go to Alabama. I don't like to see them go to Georgia, right? Like I don't like to see that shit. And um and that's the kind of stuff like, once he starts doing that, the fact that the this this team just next like I'm so excited to see what we do next season when it comes to just raw talent we're gonna have. Like we're gonna be losing so much experience. But there's gonna be so many battles that actually don't have definitive starters. And I'm super excited to see that next year. Like, and it's it's with actual guys that that have talent too that were highly yeah. rated that have actually shown out as freshmen a lot of them. So I'm I am pumped. I'm I'm just like yeah. you. I'm yeah. gonna name two more players and then I'm gonna move the topic along because we're going on rants right now. And I have I have one topic I really want to hit. I don't know how much time you have, but I really want to hit on this one topic. I got I got a little bit more time. So. Yeah. So the two players I want to name I got to say Jaden Hill because we've gone through pretty much every player on the roster. We haven't named him, and I'm excited about him in the future too. He's played all right so far and. Um, the coaching staff loved him coming out. So I have high hopes for him in the future. Hopefully he, he sees the field a ton next year. Uh, the other player I want to name, the one that I was hesitant to name before when I mentioned the linebackers, I said Derek Wingo, one Black. Oh, yeah. I, I, I hate... Okay, 
the the rule of thumb if a guy goes juco he's not coming to your school that's the way you need to treat it that's the way you need to look at it yeah they, they come sometimes but there are so many factors involved you have you have to make the grades you have to actually improve the school needs to need you later on they need to have the actual roster capacity you can't get hurt. You have to do what it's needed to qualify. You have to still want to go there. He's from Mississippi. Maybe he wants to stay in Mississippi after being there for a couple of years. There are a billion factors that could go in to him not wanting to come two years later. Two years is a long-ass time, especially when you're not at the school. But from all accounts, it looks like he is still on go and fully on board with trying to get into the program. Um, there were rumors about him making it in after a year. I don't see how that's possible unless he was taking a bunch of secret online classes. Um, I thought you had to go for two full years. I'm going to go under that impression and just treat it as a two. I think he's still part of the 2021 class as of right now. Uh, hopefully we see him because we could use him at linebacker in a couple of years. And um, I would love that. So that's, those are the thoughts. We, we covered the defense pretty well, I think um, for the 2020 class and, the roster numbers. Let's get into some fun stuff. I want to talk about college football, not just the Gators this time. So we okay. have three topics that are kind of the big ones. Uh, we had the CFP rankings come out. I'm going to pull those up while I'm going over the other two. Um, we had a uh, coach get fired. One Willie Taggart from FSU. We need to get into that big time. Pretty pumped about that. And then the LSU-Bama game coming up. I think those are kind of the three main hitters right there. So did you see the college rankings? I did. I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. This is yeah. Trophy, uh, uh pushing this on is... through the giant dick-itis. Yes, it's an affliction. The Lord has smote me, and it's uh, it's my, my cross to bear. Please um, do not make fun of him. He's very sensitive. It's... <laughs> yes. That's it in uh, multiple ways. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for the thoughts and prayers. Um, Engorged. He know. sounds so far away from the from the microphone everyone is because I think he has the microphone on his gigantic penis and it's 10 feet away. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly These are rough, it. truly rough times that we live in. Truly rough times. And I feel for you, buddy. I really do. But yeah, I'm here. I can chime in as needed. I'm going to try to speak loudly because I'm on. I'm in the car. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, I'm here and I've got some thoughts on some of this stuff, but, uh, I figured you'd uh, want yeah, to hop sorry. in around go now. Go yeah. All right. So let's, I'll go through the rankings. I'm just going to name a couple of schools. Uh, the, honestly, some of these just don't matter, but the big ones that do matter. Number one, Ohio state, um, number two, LSU, three, Alabama, four, Penn state right now. If we had the playoffs today, those would be the four, even though I don't think those would be the four. I think the playoff committee just did a cop out. Uh, number five, Clemson, six, Georgia, seven, Oregon, eight, Utah, nine, Oklahoma. Those are the teams that matter right now for the playoffs. Those nine teams. Florida is number 10. I didn't leave us off on purpose. I, I just left us off because we're not going to make the playoffs. There's basically no way it happens. I'm not going to entertain any crazy ideas. So what do you think about Ohio State ahead of LSU and Alabama? I'm cool with it. I think they've looked like the most complete team all season. Um I just think that they used it to put LSU and and Bama two and three, so that whoever wins that game is like automatically the number one team. Like I don't know, it's just 
Yeah, fully agree. It's it's yeah. a cop out in my mind. It's it's just the easy way they can they can do that. You that way nobody can argue about LSU or Bama or whatever. It's just Ohio State's number one. Okay, great. Now one of them will now one of those two will jump because they beat the number two or the number three team in the land, and that's the way it'll work. Um, yep. Yeah, Penn State ahead of Clemson was an interesting one. Yeah, Clemson that's that's probably my most intriguing one out of those. But I also think that's a it's setting up a potential massive game against Ohio State. You know. Um, and in the in the end, that'll be their that'll be their fallback plan because right now Clemson has a garbage schedule, and they're punishing them for that for that. But sooner or later, one of Penn State or Ohio State will drop behind because one of them has to lose when they play each other. Same with LSU Alabama. So it's kind of a cop out. Uh, I don't see. I'm of the mindset when you have teams like Alabama and Clemson. Who? What, how many championships have they done in a row? Those two, three, four, like three out of four, something crazy. So. Those guys are they're, they're the only teams that have been winning championships recently. They've got the benefit of the doubt in my mind. Um, they're both undefeated. I don't see why you wouldn't have them one and two. And I get I get that the playoff rankings are supposed to be the best looking team, but at the end of the day, does anybody really think that Ohio State and LSU and Alabama, or sorry, Ohio State and LSU are more likely to make the finals than Alabama and Clemson? Does anybody really think that? No, I think. I, I, um, I, I think. Do you? I throw it I at me. Take, what do you got? I would take Ohio State over, um, yeah, I, I, I would take Ohio State over Alabama and LSU right now, um, because while historically those programs are very, very good defensively, I wonder if there is a like a break-in period for adjusting defensively to the style of offense that they're playing now, and Alabama especially, I remain skeptical of. Um, their ability to like dig deep and win games against good teams uh, later in the year because of how inexperienced they are in their defensive front seven. Great points in Alabama. I, I can't um, really disagree with that. Yeah, they've had some issues. Uh, a lot of linebackers out for the season. I think two or three of their starters were out, and they they were replacing yeah. guys already. So I mean, unfortunately, they were replacing top fifty guys and more top fifty guys. The benefit of. <laughs> recruiting at a very high level is that if you have guys go down with injury, the people stepping in are fantastic usually, or at least talented enough to play at a high level. Yeah, I um so this game, LSU Alabama, a lot of people are taking LSU. I got Alabama winning by double digits. I don't think this is the best Alabama team we've seen. I just don't think LSU's that good. Um I think they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. They're a great team, and they deserve to be a top three school right now. Their offense is outstanding. They just haven't played a great defense yet outside of Auburn. We don't have a great defense. Our defense was dog shit against them. That is the second time I've had to use dog shit for us, and I think it might have been for the same reason. Um, If we had played the way that Auburn played against them, we would have been able to hold them to possibly 20, 23 points and win that game. So I think Alabama plays that exact style of defense. They're going to play that physical man coverage. They're going to play right up on them. And Joe Burrow is going to have to hit some really tight windows and not just have wide open guys to throw to with all the time in the world to think about it. So I think LSU is going to struggle to score points. I think Alabama will score every drive. So I got Alabama winning double digits easily, uh, runaway score. I'm betting the house on it. Yeah, I agree. I don't think LSU is going to win. Yeah, well. But Topher's got LSU, I think. Oh, really? Wow. No, no yeah. It, it, despite what I said about Alabama, um, yeah, I, ju- I think they're just further along. Uh, 
well, I, obviously they're further along the, you know, the de development of their program than where LSU is. And uh, yeah, I would, I'd, I'd take Bama by 10. So like I'm leaning, I'm leaning embarrassing blowout, but I definitely have at least 10, but I'm, I'm talking, we're talking three, four touchdowns is what I'll, I'm considering I'll right I'll, now. I'll provide a little bit more detail to what, cause I just, all I said was, yeah, Alabama. but like when we faced LSU, they had the most talented team, but I feel like Dan Mullen was the superior coach. Um, Alabama is going to be as talented, possibly slightly more talented than LSU with a far superior coach. Like, and that's why I think they're going to win. And I think that uh, LSU is going to play them really close. It's going to be kind of a shootout until about the end of the third quarter. And then Alabama, for whatever reason, is going to turn the Jets on. And I'm kind of with you. Um, so I think it would be a uh, – like, if I'm going to predict a score, I'd say it's probably going to end up being, like, I don't know, 48 to 34 at the end of the game. I could see it. Yeah, I, I could see it going really similar to how LSU Texas went early in the year, except LSU is Texas in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just don't see LSU scoring very much. I think they're going to probably put up around 20, maybe 25-ish, kind of in that range points, and I think Alabama puts up over 40. So we'll we'll see. It'll be fun, but I'm, I'm fully expecting a boat race. Uh, Hammer noted that he might have to go soon. I really want to hit on FSU and Willie Taggart, but I also know we haven't even touched Vanderbilt yet. Do we need to talk much about Vanderbilt? Because they gonna, suck so much. We're going to beat Vanderbilt. All right, next question. <laughs> They're God. They're awful. Yeah, I watched them live against Ole Miss. They were by far the worst team, and that's Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not, and their third like, string quarterback is playing. So um, our yeah. defense is going to look elite again. It's going to look elite, and uh, it is an elite. It's going to look elite again. So I think we'll I think we'll start slow and beat them pretty ha uh, handily at the end. So that's my thought on Vandy. Um, yep. Tofrey, yeah, I've or? got us. I've got us winning uh, 40, uh, 41 to nine. I think they kick nine. three field goals. Yeah, I'm going to channel my ear Zeus and say they kick three field goals. Love it. Um, I think their the running back might get one on us, but yeah, I probably would have a similar. I guess I should pick an actual score. Um, I'll go thirty-seven to thirteen. I'm gonna say forty-eight to ten. All right, moving on. FSU pulled the most devastating move of this century for me in firing Willie Taggart in the second year. I'm heartbroken. I wanted that third year so bad. I had prayers for the fourth year at the beginning of the season. Obviously, as it went on, yeah. we knew that it couldn't happen. I mean, he clearly was in over his head and the complete, just complete failure at Florida State. Yeah, those but, those people, they all they all were calling me a troll. But I mean, it was just it was so obvious in year one. You never see it that bad, and it wasn't like that. I mean, even yeah. Chip Kelly and Jeremy Pruitt and all that. Nobody was saying that for them because they didn't look like over Chip. their heads. Yeah, yeah it's um, just it was insane. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be – I think they, they kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit, though. I feel like Florida State – when Jimbo was there, if you ask me what are the top-tier coaching jobs in the country, I probably would have added them to that because we were dog shit and Miami was dog shit. And he was doing really well, won a national championship at Florida State. So it's like, all right, that's probably one of the top teams in the country right now. Right now, I don't think they have that same look. Their roster's depleted. Their admin is fucking dysfunctional. They have no money at all. Their boosters just fired a head coach a year and a half into the season. Um, you know there's going to be some bullshit controversy if they replace him with some, like, typical 
white guy, like, you know, there's going to be, you know, like, um, someone will manufacture controversy for that, even though I think that's bullshit. Um, Willie Tiger wasn't fired because he wasn't white. I'll tell you that right now. Um, he was fired because he clearly had no idea what the fuck was going on. Like, I, I honestly feel like he, he like took drugs for every game and was <laughs> like, <laughs> not just before the games. Like, this is like, like he was taking mushrooms, like every time they, they, they snapped the ball. Like, I don't know what's going on, but, um, like, you know how we complained about Billy Gonzalez, like fucking up with like wristbands for like a quarter with us. That was Willie Taggart's life. Yeah. Um, every week, one of those city stories came out. Yeah. Um, and it was just bad. It was just bad. Everything was bad. And but you don't fire a coach one and a half seasons into their tenure and expect an elite coach to say, please sign me up for that dysfunction because that's not going to happen. So um, I feel like it's going to be a little bit like Tennessee where they feel like they got John Gruden. But they end up having to resort for um, Jeremy the Thumb Pruitt and. I don't know. I don't think Florida State's going to get a big time guy this year. I think they're going to have to resort to like their fifth or sixth option. Possibly Mark Stoops might take the job. And yeah, he's not bad, but he's not great either. You know, so um, I don't know. I'm I'm generally surprised they did it. I thought they were going to at least give him until next season. It's it's shocking because you almost. I mean, I don't know of any coaches that get fired this quickly. Not unless they pull like a like uh, sleeping with hookers kind of thing or some kind of motorcycle crashing, cheating controversy, or, you know, I mean, just something insane like that. They don't get fired in year two. You get the third year. Um, but, but again, no one has been this bad. He's found a way in two years to set them back probably three. And I really wanted him to get that third year to set them back a fifth, fourth and fifth year. Um, so just, just, uh, it's it's a little devastating for me seeing it happen that fast. I really didn't think I well, no, I thought it would happen. I just it's hard to believe it until you actually see it happen. And I agree with Hammer fully. I don't think that race had anything to do with it. He could have been any color on the planet, but when you have that much dysfunction, that garbage of a product, um, just absolute cluelessness everywhere and when you have the talent that they have and you can not even make bowls in back-to-back years, it's just insane. And they're not playing a hard schedule either. They're playing easy-ass teams. They were complaining about last year's schedule, how hard it was. It was a pretty easy schedule. We play schedules like that every single year. It's just, it was just shy. I never expected him to be that bad. I knew he was bad. I wanted him around forever. I just never expected it to be that bad. Um, yeah. I, I, I thought that the floor there was going to be like a Ron Zook situation. Where he would at least recruit well, and yeah. the the covered stock for the next person. But like, it was all terrible. And I and I will also say, for as like hilariously incompetent as FSU has appeared throughout this entire situation, like Benny Hill music, you know, just slipping on bananas, just stupid. This is a shockingly competent move for them to recognize that this is not going to get better and go ahead and rip this Band-Aid off when they did. So I think what happened is the founder of Spanx, who was an FSU grad and big-time FSU fan and also a billionaire, put up most, if not all, the money saying, if you fire him now, I will be able to cover whatever remaining amount you need. I think it was a now-or-never type thing. Not to take away... From what you said, I do agree. It was a competent move, which is very upsetting for me. That's the thing. Like it was the right move. I 
maybe it hurts them in hiring a new coach, but I just, I'm all about ripping off the bandaid, especially one that is this bad. It was terrible. He was dragging them down further and further. And you're right. Uh, he was known as a very good recruiter coming in. And I think a lot of, he, he drove a lot of people away, not because of losses, because other coaches can lose and they can recruit well, but because of complete dysfunction. Some people actually did realize and they saw there's no way this guy's a competent coach and there's no way he lasts. Um, the Knowles have been complaining about multiple parents getting in the business and blocking out recruits. Well, these parents saw what we all saw that the, the Knowles were willing to overlook the, the big time fans. Uh, Sam Howell's dad, smart fucking dad, dad of the year right there. Nick Cross's parents, parents of the year. Don't let your kid go into that shithole. Not when Willie Taggart was there. So we'll see who the next hire is. I don't like it because I don't like uncertainty. There's always the chance they make a good one. Um, I do think they're strapped for cash big time. Their booster network is just they don't get consistent money. But I'm under the impression, again, that they will be able to pull together an immediate influx if need be for a big time name. Yeah, if there's somebody who's willing to go, then yeah, they'll find that money. Um, I think that's a big question right now, though, is is there anyone who's willing to jump into that situation right now? Um, anyone who should really, you know, scare us, so to speak. And I don't really, I don't really see it. There's, I mean, Bob Stoops is the only name that really scares me that has in any way been credibly linked to that job. And I am thinking more and more that that's just a them chasing their, their John Gruden situation. I would hope so. Um, th- yes, I, I fully agree. He's, he's the only one that seems like he could go there who actually would be somewhat scary. He's the that, only one who would be that like would be willing. He, he would be, he's the only one who would be like an immediate momentum shift just by being there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And he'd, he'd honestly be able to get a really big payout not be taxed on it for uh, state tax purposes, which, you know, that may or may not matter. These, these guys are multimillionaires who cares, but that's that's a benefit. I don't know if he wants to coach that long anyways, but it could be the kind of thing too where it's a good situation where he knows he's not going to get fired. He'll just be able to do his thing, relax in Florida. It's a good place to retire, do a couple of years, and then be on out if he wants to do that. <clears throat> but yeah, he would be an immediate momentum guy. That would be not very good. And uh, the thing that they're all talking about is Bob Stoops for coach. Uh, he's a defensive guy keeping Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator and basically have him as the coach in waiting. Um, That's probably their absolute dream scenario ceiling right there. And as we all know, the dream scenarios rarely happen in coaching hires. We've been through many of them before. This is FSU's first, the first in 40 years. They didn't have a real search for, for uh, Willie. They basically picked him out right away and they knew right away. Uh, Jimbo was coaching waiting they knew with him right away, and then, you know, 40 years of Bowden or however long it was. So none of them know what it's like. Even their reporters, they haven't really covered it before. So I think there were some people jumping the gun who heard some stuff, but they they were having some issues in not – they're having issues in differentiating between what's real and what's just excited boosters talking up a big game. So yeah, that's – um. So we, what what would be, like, realistically – what would be the realistic dream hire for them 
for us. Like who we who we want them to hire? Yeah. Like and and I mean, you know, realistically, like Yeah. I, I, that's a good question. You know, we can't I don't wanna I don't wanna just say like Jim McElwain because that's like they're, <laughs> they're Greg Nord. Incompetent, but... <laughs> I got it. Greg Nord with uh Doug Nashmeyer <laughs> right. as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Um right. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't I actually haven't thought about it because I just I I'm enjoying hearing these names. Um who's out there? Greg Schiano? So for, for me Oh boy! Wow, yeah, that's a good one. Um, for me, and I don't think this would happen because he just had a health scare. But like <laughs> Mark Rick, yeah. Mark Richt would be. Oh my God! I would, I would make a mess in my pants. And the sad thing is, is that you're already low on pants from all the pants that you've ripped through with your recent issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. Um, <laughs> We're having a lot of problems here. <laughs> In addition to, to your prayers, also please send pants. We need pants. <laughs> his, his, his best pair of George down the drain. I mean, just <laughs> totally ruined. It's devastating. Yeah, Mark Richt. Wow, that would be yeah, that would be. You're right. Mark Richt would be the ultimate dream hire in so many different ways. Uh, the biggest one, of course, being the mockery. Um, <clears throat> the other big one being knowing that they will never achieve what they want. And I would love that. Yeah, that'd make me happy. I'd be down with the Mark Richt hire. Uh, more realistically, uh, if Gus Malzahn gets the heave ho from Auburn, I could actually almost kind of see that. Although I don't think that they would wait long enough for Malzahn to get fired, but right. I could almost see that. They're in a, they're in an awkward situation. They probably feel the pressure to fill it quickly. Um, USC is probably going to come open. There is a chance that Notre Dame or Michigan come open. There are rumblings. I'm not saying they will, but there's a chance. Those are big name schools. All three of those schools, better opportunities in Florida State. Um, and if one of them steals another big name, I mean, it's just it's a whole domino effect. So they're probably going to feel the pressure to do it quickly. And so that, yeah, that's limiting them on anybody that's actually a coach right now. Um, and I'm blanking on who you were just talking about too. Uh, Malzahn, Malzahn. Yeah, I, I've, if he had lost an extra game or two, I thought he might have. To this point, he's done better than I expected. I thought he was going to drop the Ole Miss game. I was kind of feeling it right there, and he he found a way to win that. That's I mean they that was uh, good for him and all. But I yeah I I don't see him lasting long. I, I don't I don't see him getting fired this year. Yeah, I just if he if he had dropped one of those games like Ole Miss or Mississippi State, I think he'd be gone. I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I would take Mark Stoops over the rest of the field combined. It just like they, their fan base doesn't seem to like it, but that makes a lot of sense. And I actually think he's a reasonably good coach. Which, um, by the way, like a, a personal mea culpa, mea culpa, is it, is it mea culpa or mea culpa? You're asking the wrong person. Anyway, whatever. Uh, a personal admittance that I am was completely wrong. Uh, before last season, I picked Mark Stoops to get fired by the end of last year at Kentucky. And, uh, yeah, needless to say, I was wrong. And he's actually a pretty solid coach. Yeah, he is. He's taken a while to build it there. Um, He's not as good as his brother, obviously. Not a big name either. But he's been recruiting pretty well, too, um, recently. People have been excited about Kentucky for the most part. So, I mean, he would not be a bad hire for them. 
Do I think he's a great hire? Is he a terrifying hire? No, but he's a little scary. And honestly, the the big thing is, is that they hired the worst possible hire in their history, possibly one of the worst P5 hires ever. I mean, this is this is going to go down in history as one of the worst, definitely one of the worst for like a top 20 program. They haven't had their moment where they got multiple coaches in a row and they need that. They need that humbling. They're still too full of themselves. They still have too much excitement. They still have belief. They need to be beaten down and battered like we've been. Preach. I'm just I'd like, absolutely. It's just, so they need, they need their Will Muschamp. Or yeah, that Will Muschamp, they need their Jim McElwain. So that would be the disappointment of Mark Stoops and that I think he is a solid coach. I don't think he's better than Mullen, but he's got some similarities. Uh, we, we were discussing this the other day. I think he's a pretty similar style coach. Um, slow build and all that and you know playing yeah. with a really really bad lower ranked team or team with less talent and actually doing well with it but um no he wouldn't scare me at all what about joey freshwater lane kiffin i you know i would be pretty happy with that because uh he is an entertaining sideshow and he's a, he is an elite like world-class shit talker that guy can talk oh. shit with the best of them one of the best Twitter followers on the planet. Yeah, certainly. Um, when he was a head coach, he was bad. It was not good at Tennessee. Well, it was, I mean, it, it had the potential to be okay on the field at Tennessee, but a lot of people forget that that recruiting class, one recruiting class he brought in, I mean, those guys were like all arrested and booted from the program almost to a person before the end of their four years. Um and at USC, it was it was just a shit show. So I don't think he's a good head coach. I think he's a, a good head coach for G5 schools, but I don't think that he would be able to build anything sustainable. He does, I mean, he doesn't even seem like an elite coach there either, to be honest. He's not out pulling no. uh, what like Sonny Dykes is doing right now or anything. It's just it, yeah, he's a he's, he's a I, yeah. I think he's a very good coordinator, maybe one of the better ones, but. Not a great head coach, so no, he wouldn't scare me. Is he even? I don't even know if he's realistic or not, but he's a name that I've seen pop up. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, don't I don't see it. Like I, I don't see them going that direction. Yeah, that that seems like a stretch. I, they're gonna want somebody that I. I mean, if they, if it, if they get their alt, optimal way, they want somebody who has P five experience, who actually has a winning record. Um, those are probably the two big things right there. Uh, P five and actual competence at the p5 level there's not a lot of coaches like that out there uh outside of, i mean there's some young names up in the the midwest like matt campbell and pj fleck but i don't see why they would go to florida state they're gonna have better opportunities somewhere else if they want yeah that's why i think stoops just makes the most sense mark stoops just makes the he, most he sense really does because he, he he checks the boxes and he has connections there and you know it just he would probably go if they offered so um yeah, uh, the one, the one name that uh, fuck, and now I can't think of his name. The Wake Forest guy. What is that guy's name? Oh yeah, Clawson. That Clawson. I. You know what? I will say that would actually. I wouldn't necessarily say that it would scare me because I don't know what the ceiling is with that guy. But like, what he is building at Wake Forest is really impressive. As shitty as the ACC is, and as bad as the teams that they're playing are. I mean, it's impressive to be able to win consistently at Wake Forest. What does Wake Forest have? Like eight hundred students there too. It's, in, I mean, it's, it's crazy. 
Yeah. Yeah. They have, they have, they have, they have eight students. Eight eight students, and uh, four of them are football players, and the rest are rugby players. I'm back, by the way. Hey, Hammer. If you didn't if you didn't notice, Hammer hopped out for a little bit. Um, he's been intimidated by Tofuri and his giant penis. It has it has touched me multiple states away already. Like it's like you ever seen the mist where like the fucking tentacles come out of the, like the oh, mist. Yeah, that's 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 Tofuri. Sorry about that, buddy. I'll I'll have a word with with the zone supervisor for that area of my penis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll pass it along to the uh, the the uh, super regional manager, and then he'll 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 get to the actual regional guy. So that's all good. Yeah, I, yeah. We were just we were going through all the the coaches that would scare us, and we didn't have very many for FSU. And then what you guys uh, the coaches, the coach, So the guy the guy who scares us is Stoops. We don't want that to happen. I don't think either of us think that's going to happen. It's a possibility, but this I was just. I mean, I really do think that they got ahead of themselves with the whole beat and they're just buying in hardcore. They it's like they didn't even watch us buy in multiple times on stoops before. How many times have we hired stoops? Two? Three? I think and it's I'm talking, times. I mean I'm honestly, talking like the, the fake three. I, it's three going back to Spurrier. It was post Spurrier we we hired Stoops allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, post Zook we hired we he was we were kicking the tires for sure. Um, and yeah. then post Meyer, post Meyer, we definitely hired Stoops. Um, oh yeah, you're missing one then because he was brought up again. He was brought up maybe. again with post Muschamp. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. Maybe even maybe even with uh, Mullen, the whole Mullen thing too. He might have been mentioned. I think he's rumored at that. I think I, I think I'm yeah, missing I it. I it was when when Maco when McElwain was hired though. I think the ink was dry for Stoops. Uh, so yeah, yeah, it's like they completely ignore that. That it doesn't. It's just not how it works. So. Prepare, prepare yourselves. I hope they don't because I want to see them get their hopes up and have them devastated again and again and again. Um, I'm like 95% sure he has no interest in coaching college football anymore. That'd be wonderful. He, I think he just burnt out. Like, I don't, I don't know the guy personally, so I couldn't tell you. But, um, well, I do know I mean, him personally, and I don't think he's going. No, I, I have no idea who this yeah, Never talked to him before. Like, it's like, especially like, like if this was. 20 what when did when did Jim officially leave 2017 2018 it was like 2018 right like if this was him taking over for Jimbo Fisher maybe you know because the program looked a lot better than it does now when when Jimbo Fisher left and that's not my saying much but it's a little bit more ideal replacing him versus replacing the fucking dumpster fire that Taggart's left yes he, um, he has his pick of jobs yeah why would he want to go into a job where he has to rebuild an entire program like he could go to USC and win faster than he would at FSU. So like I don't know. I don't think I don't think he's gonna go to FSU unless they're go, offering him like unless they're offering him like the future AD role and a bunch of money and some shit. Yeah. I don't see them doing it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe that's what they're maybe that's what they're pushing. Who knows? But um, I mean, he could he could go to Auburn and win pretty quickly there. It's just there are a lot of schools that are set up with actual talent, actual systems in place. That aren't complete fuck ups, and uh, yeah, so it's just it's just a long way to go with FSU. So that's, I mean, I've I've been talking to everybody's ears off. We have anything else? Who was the other? Who were the other people you guys had? Oh yeah, yeah, you missed out on that. So we yeah, we discussed um, some some hires that we think would be hilarious, like Mark Richt, uh, Greg Schiano, Lane Kiffin. We think all those would be somewhat possibly realistic, but uh, very entertaining on our end. 
Um, I mean, people shit on Greg Schiano, but that guy made Rus- Rutgers relevant for a couple seasons. Like, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't think he'd be. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he'd be good at Florida State. He would. He would be terrible there. He'd be like a Butch Jones type caliber. You know. I'd love for them to get a Butch Jones. That'd be great. Maybe they should get Butch Jones. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> yeah, Butch Jones would be good. I like that. We we we, uh, we so we brought up um we we both think that Mark Stoops is probably going to be the guy. He just kind of checks the boxes of a P five coach with actual success, and then. The uh, the other guy we mentioned was Gus Malzahn. I just don't know if the timing lines up. Uh, Topher was saying that as well. It's just they need a coach now. I don't know if he's available. A couple people that I've spoken to who are close to the Auburn program are saying that Gus is probably going to get another season unless they get literally eviscerated by Alabama. That's um, what it seems like. Is like, yeah. like he already he he passed, he missed on his chances to lose to like a shocking team like an Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State. So once he misses out on that, then yeah, they they'll keep him around. He's got an insane contract, and ba- they're basically waiting out Saban to die anyway. So what's the real yeah, rush? Yeah, like they you know he's got Bo Nix, which the school was extremely excited about. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know, man. Either. I don't know either, bro. But like, um, so. I, like I think, like if he plays Georgia close, I mean, honestly, Auburn out of the next couple teams have a legit shots. I mean, a legit shot. I tried to combine chance and shot into one word there, FYI, um, and that didn't work. They have a legit chance at actually beating Georgia. Do I think they're going to? No, but in terms of all the teams left on Georgia's schedule, that would scare me the most if I'm Georgia as Auburn, especially because it's at Jordan Hare, um, and Auburn has done crazy shit in the past. Um, I think he's got another season, so I don't think Gus Malzahn's going to be that guy. Um, plus, he's not going to get fired until the season's over anyways, and, and they need to make a hire now or within the next month. Um, I think Mark Stoops is probably going to be the guy there. It it makes sense from a financial standpoint. His buyout's not a lot at Kentucky. Um, he's actually done a pretty good job at Kentucky. Like, I'm actually not going to shit on the guy. He has yeah. – Kentucky, Kentucky has sucked, like – Bigger dick than Tofri's dick right now in the past, and he made, them, <laughs> he made them. He made them somewhat decent. Like you know, like they have been competitive. They've been competitive this season with a fucking wide receiver at quarterback. Like he's recruited well enough for what you would expect. Like keep in mind, Kentucky was the Mississippi State of the East for a long time. Like they just sucked. No one wanted to go there. No one did well there, and they didn't recruit at all. And he's done okay. Like he's been like, is like, he have as much of success as like Dan Mullen had equivalent, you know, in, in Mississippi State? No, but he's done a really good job, and I I give him a lot of credit. Like, would I want FSU to make a good hire? Hell no. I want them to go after Bush Jones or someone stupid. If they go hire Mark Stoops, it's a good hire, but I feel like his ceiling is like maybe 10 wins a season like maybe you brought you brought up the same point that we had brought up before he he like with uh, the kentucky compared to mississippi state right there mark stoops is basically great value dan mullen he's a very similar type coach except just not as good so would i be scared if they hire him no but do i want him to hire him no because i want them to be miserable for longer i think he's just too solid 
because he'll put together winning seasons. He'll he'll bring in some decent recruiting classes. He'll do he'll recruit a lot better at Florida State than he is at Kentucky for sure. You know, like like Dan Mullen's recruiting a lot better at Florida than he did at Mississippi State, right? Like it's just that's it comes with the school. You know, um, he would be okay. I think he would definitely be a major upgrade over Taggart. I feel like I honestly think he's better than than Pruitt too. So like I feel like. Tennessee missed out in trying to go after him. They should have gone after him instead of going after Pruitt. Because I think Mark Stoops is he's he's not bad. Like he's not good, but he's not bad, you know? And I would like for them though, I'd like for Kentucky to freak out and like pay him a bunch of money so he doesn't leave because he's the best thing that's happened to Kentucky football in like decades. So um I don't know. I'd I'd be interested to see what they do with that. I just really don't I really don't see a top coaching candidate on the market that they can go after realistically, you know, like are there top coaching candidates? Yeah. I'm pretty sure Urban Meyer's on the market. I'm sure that if Michigan is stupid and fires Jim Harbaugh, he'll be on the market, but they're not going to go to Florida state. They're not going to go to a dysfunctional athletic department with no true AD whose boosters president's about to step down. Like it's a bunch of like, it's, it's stuff that a veteran coach who cares about their legacy at this point and who's and who's proven and like who doesn't need to prove themselves yeah they're they're a position they're in a position where they need somebody who wants to prove himself or they need to get somebody who has some major issues that maybe wouldn't get the opportunity somewhere else it's just that's what they need if they need a high ceiling guy they're gonna have to get somebody like that so i mean they will need to get their pj fleck guy that type guy or Mark Stoops or whatever, just somebody who hasn't done it on a big well, level before. And I'm sure they probably looked into PJ Fleck. He just wouldn't work well at Tallahassee. Like, so P- yeah, so people, I don't think a lot of people know this. So I like PJ Fleck. I think he's cool, but he's and he's a, he's a he's a solid coach, but he's like he's like a Tony Robbins. <laughs> he's a weirdo. Like, Is that what you're, what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. Like he's got. If people don't know. Then I'll explain. PJ Fleck has a brand, the the row your boat thing. Like it's like copyright. He like owns that shit. He puts on everything. There's t-shirts, row the boat t-shirts. Like this is his shit. Like and like he's like kind of like kind of a little bit of a cult following. He does <laughs> he does he does motiv- he does motivational speeches. I'm not fucking with you. He does motivational speeches. He travels around. He traveled around the Midwest this off season. And did motivational speeching, like 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 fucking speaking, like in public, like he, he's the way he is. He's he's very he's a completely he's like he's a very unique coach. I'll say that much. And, On a side note, how funny would it be if FSU hired a cult leader? I'd love that. Like he That'd would be some good shit. He would be immediately loved, and then absolutely loathed at Tallahassee once he like removed the spears on the helmets and put fucking rowboat. <laughs> oh god i want this like like a little paddle like an oar or like, something like that like he, would, he, he, would, he, would, he would fucking he put oars on everything like, there would be FSU probably right yeah. well they they use canoes the the seminoles go in canoes why wouldn't they i mean it would I know, it fit in saying, perfectly like, like instead of riding a horse onto the field they push a canoe out you know like i guess <laughs> Put, build a little lazy river in the stadium yeah, and have the guy yeah. in a canoe circling. Oh my god, I want PJ Fleck to go there. No, I, he's still got too high of a ceiling, but man, that'd be funny shit right there. The thing is though, PJ Fleck though puts together solid teams. He surrounds himself with guys who know football, and he's a fucking a badass recruiter because this guy can talk. Like he is, 
He's a great salesman. He's a great speaker. And he's a genuinely good dude. Like, like he, like when I say he's got a cold following, I'm not trying to be like, I'm trying to not say he's a bad guy. I'm not trying to say he's like fucking Tom Cruise or some shit. Right. I'm saying he's a genuinely good guy. He just is capitalizing on his success and he has a brand. And I just don't think that's going to fit well in an old school athletic department booster system like Tallahassee. So I'm sure they probably kicked the tires and then they were like, never mind. Like we don't we don't wanna we don't wanna deal with the potential fallout of that because, you know, that is Florida State has a lot of faults. They're they're sticking to their traditions. I'll give them that. You know, that's what they want to do is they want to stick to their traditions. Um and he would come in and say, let's change this shit up. And I don't know if that's what they need right now. Well, I'm hoping that the new tradition is hiring shitty coaches on the level or similar to <laughs> Willie Taggart. Yeah, Florida State fucked up, man. They have no idea what they lost when they got rid of Jimbo Fisher. Like, no idea. Um, oh, man, blame Jimbo. It's all his fault. He's a cancer, and he built like, a cancerous team. Like, yeah, I know. He like his he had a bad last season there and probably wouldn't have had a great season this year, but fuck, man. like he He's one of, like, what, four coaches, five coaches that have a ring? Like, come on, you don't get rid of that coach. Like... Just just to note, um, the only coach who has out-recruited Dan Mullen is Jimbo Fisher. And I'm talking the guys from his actual class who were hired. Jimbo Fisher is the only one. Yeah. The only coach that has out-won Dan Mullen, that has had more on-field success, is nobody. So be be happy that we got a very, very good hire. He could have been a lot worse than he is hopefully he keeps well, building actually technically mario cristobal has one more win than dan mullen does right now does he really you're talking yeah. to uh, well in, in total no in terms of since since hired at oregon well it was hold on he, he started last year and he started and then this year he's like eight and one this year i think it's like one more win yeah but that's just this year what about last yeah, year? yeah i'm not i'm not talking about in total i'm just talking about in since hired yeah. Ah, yeah. Well, well, he was hired. Well, he was hired last year, though. He he coached yeah, all yeah. last year. He started, he started the same. He his first year at Oregon was 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 the same year that Dan Mullen started at Florida. And I think he might have had a higher rank recruiting class last cycle, but I think that a lot of that was smoke and mirrors too. I I'm not buying the Oregon recruiting, so we'll we'll see. They're not gonna they're not gonna crush it. We'll we'll, we'll see. But anyways, um, yeah, he's he's done well, surprisingly well. We'll see if that actually lasts either. Um, yeah, and- Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen is seventeen and five. And, um, well, actually, Mario Cristobal is 17 and five at Oregon as well. So they're tied. So, um, we'll pass him because I'm not, not going to count the, the Las Vegas bowl against him because he fucking was an interim head coach then. So, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, um, I don't know. Any more, any more FSU shitting on? I think, I think they're going to, they're in for a long coaching search, hopefully. Um, We'll have a lot more on that soon, I guess. I mean, it's it's been really... I, okay, wait, hold on. I think we need to have just a moment of silence for our loss of our pure entertainment and dysfunction of Willie Taggart because he really was a true gator and a gator great. I think we actually probably need to put him in the, the ring of honor too. We need to consider that uh, Urban Meyer and Willie Taggart next to each other as gator legends. So yeah. pour one out for him. Florida gator legend Willie Taggart. We will always miss you. We will never forget. You're, it was too short, far too short. I'm going to make well, a I think, meme. Yeah. You, know, you, know, you know that, that Wolverine meme where he's like touching the picture? I'm going to probably have one of those in like the next couple years. No lie, that's actually me right now. I, I am literally doing that. I'm just laying back and just uh, there's a small tear going down my eye as I reminisce 
over the wonderful days. We don't even get him this year, man. I really wanted one more. Just I wanted to see just some devastation, and we yeah. had we had it stolen too early. You were taken from us too early. Like, like I'm pretty sure we're gonna. I'm pretty sure we're still gonna fucking destroy them. But like, I, I, have, like I, I, I have no idea now, though. Like, they like Odell Haggins might just fucking say fuck it and then just prep only for the Florida game the rest of the season. Who knows? Like, well, if um, he's if he's smart, that's what he should do. But he won't. <laughs> yeah. Um. But man, I um. Willie, you'll be you'll be missed, man. And I hope uh, I hope you are hired at Kentucky once Mark Stoop gets taken uh, as the head coach at Four State. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'd take that. Hey, wait, yeah. wait, wait, wait. What, what about Will Muschamp? Will Muschamp's gonna be our defensive coordinator next year once he gets fired. Well, do you think he'd go to Florida State? That'd be amazing. He would fuck. He would fuck us up with recruiting for a couple seasons before he tanked. But yeah. But would he? Would he? Yeah, yeah, I think he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. Yeah, probably I, think, so. I think he would. I think he'd have some pretty, pretty elite classes, and everyone would go, "Oh fuck, well, he's he's gonna do it again." And then, nope, he's not. Right in his face. <laughs> Same old Will Muschamp. Um, too uh, much of a micromanager. The thing is, I like the guy a lot. I feel like if he just, I don't know, if I don't want to talk too much about Muschamp, but if he hired. And just fucking didn't give a fuck about the like didn't care just let someone run the offense and didn't even didn't even worry about it and like didn't even didn't even recruit offensive guys just let this offensive coordinator do everything I think he would be an elite coach because his defenses are good they're organized they're usually pretty disciplined and he's a good recruiter he, he's just a fucking micromanaging asshole. So what what you're saying is maybe he should be something where he's just in charge of the defense say like a defensive coordinator. Hmm, at Florida. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. think I, I, I think that'd be like the first time in history that I know of that someone would be a head coach at a team, get fired, go to another team, and then come back as the defensive coordinator of the team that got fired from. I've never heard that before. Uh, so. There is no way in hell that he would work under Mullen, I feel like. I yeah. just don't see yeah. that. Even, even Florida aside, I just don't see that happening. But, like, hey. maybe, maybe if, like, actually. Oh, I just, I just actually thought about this. If Will Muschamp is fired, he will find a spot on Mac Brown's UNC UNC team next year. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Because him and Mac Brown, that's like his dad. Papa Mac, that's right. Yep. Yeah, he got his, he got his good start there. Yeah, right about that. Ooh, that'd be a little scary, actually. Yeah. Good for UNC. I hope that happens. Yeah, I, I mean, I would be cool with that actually. Because UNC doesn't bother me. I'm not gonna play them ever. Yeah. So make things make things tough for uh, those ACC teams. Yeah, they they make Clem- they make it tough for Clemson, and and then they would definitely fuck up Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't so, take much these days. So. All right. Well, do we have anything else for this episode? Nothing I can think of. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. It was kind of uh, all over the place, but uh, yeah, this is look- this is what happens when we lose when we lose our leaders. It really is tough. We like to keep it fresh, I'm- though. We like to keep it fresh. Yeah, you never know where we're gonna go. So the, the, I thought it was a um, thought we covered some really good stuff. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything I wanted to say for Vandy. Uh, anything last minute? I'm gonna have a lot more thoughts on Missouri, and uh, yeah. the Vandy game will tell me a lot for that in a, in a few different areas. But no, I don't. So, I don't have much. I got something to actually bring up to you. Um, there's rumors of Derek Mason possibly getting fired at Vanderbilt. Um, he actually has a solid relationship with Dan Mullen. Could you see Derek Mason replacing Todd Grantham next year if Todd Grantham takes a new job? You know, 
I, I yeah, I didn't I didn't know that Derek Mason had a good relationship with Mullen. I know he has a horrible relationship with Grantham. Yeah. They have their issues. So maybe he would love the idea of taking his job. Yeah. I don't well, know. I, the thing is I don't think Todd, Todd Grantham's not getting fired. So anyone who's like preaching or thinks Todd Grantham's gonna get fired, he's not gonna get fired. Um would he leave his own of his own there accord? Are, there are a lot of NFL guys and college football guys who all consider him a top 10 defensive coordinator in football. Not college football, in football, okay? I'm just letting you guys know that. He's not going to get fired, okay? I feel like he's probably, he, he flirted last year with head coaching, or I mean, like we're going to the defensive coordinator to the Bengals. Um, I think a couple G5 teams wanted to interview him for head coaching jobs. I don't think, I think he's going to flirt again this year, and I do think he'll find a match and leave. Um, I just think Dan Mullen and, and, and by association, you know, the school needed him around because it's like, if you keep, if you keep losing coordinators, it's just not good for sustained success. Right. So having him around this season was beneficial, especially with all the pieces we have on defense. Um, I think he will leave after this off season. I think he will take a new job somewhere else. And then Dan Mullen will have to hire a defensive coordinator. Now, whether or not he promotes from within or he hires someone from the outside, I don't know. Because sometimes hiring from the outside can 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 cause some frustration because these assistants are all viewing it one way, whereas now this new guy wants him to do it a completely different way. So it's gonna be interesting to see. Um, but you know, I, I feel like he's gonna be gone. But he's not gonna get fired. He's gonna leave on his own terms next after this offseason. Yeah, it, I don't disagree with that. I, I think he is, uh, and he doesn't deserve I, to be fired. Like he doesn't. Like I, I mean. If we were playing like we were against F, like against LSU and Georgia against like you know Tennessee, then sure, like maybe. But like we didn't like we his, our defense isn't elite, but it's not bad. Does it make sense? Like it's okay. I just wonder if he'd be better in an NFL position where he's with smarter players and just more depth and talent overall. Yeah, and, and you can, I think you that's can go, limiting you can go him. Buy, and you can go buy the talent. You, like he can go and be like, cool, I need this linebacker right here. He's in free agent. Go get him. You know, like. That's I feel like he will probably bolt for the NFL. He wants to be an NFL head coach one day. That's his like ultimate goal. And um, but if a P five school that's not not necessarily like an elite school, but with like a decent school says, Hey, we want to interview for for head coaching position, I don't see him turning that down either. Like you can see it's just like it could be just like the the coaching carousel, how it moves along, you know, like um there's talk of uh Braum at, at Purdue, you know, if Mark Stoops was hired, he might get targeted by Kentucky, which would be the, the, the most hilarious knife to the ribs I've ever seen in my life, where he turns down Louisville, but then somehow goes to their arch rival Kentucky. Like, what? Um, <laughs> that'd be that'd be something else. Um, like, he'd be vilified in Louisville forever, you know? Like, But there is talks of that potentially happening. I can see a team like Purdue going after Grantham, you know? Like, hey, you're a defensive guy. We're in a conference that needs defensive guys because all these offenses like Ohio State and stuff is like blowing us up, you know, like um, so be interesting to see. I mean, I just I think he will be gone after this season. I don't expect him to stick around, not because he is going to get fired because he doesn't want to be here. I don't think that's the case at all. But his goal is to not be a defensive coordinator forever. And Dan Mullen, you know, is the kind of guy that will help him get where he needs to go. Like Dan Mullen has like five or six assistant coaches that have all become head coaches since so the guy is doing something right, you know? Yeah. And um, 
I, th- I think it could be a mutually beneficial thing. I mean, I, I think I don't think he's this horrible defensive coordinator. I think he can fit in in the right situations. I just on these college teams that aren't absolutely stacked, I think he's having issues. Uh, he he's had it everywhere he's gone in college. So maybe NFL is just the perfect place for him to be, being just the smart mind that people consider him to be. Um, he might take C-Rob, we lose a recruiter, but honestly, he hasn't shown anything with um, our linebackers that makes me think, oh, we got to keep him forever. So, I mean, he's a solid recruiter, but there also yeah. are a lot more solid recruiters there. You know? Yeah, but there's, there's, there are more. I'll put it this way. There are more solid recruiters out in the world than there are actual solid coaches. So if we need another recruiter, we can get one. It's just, yeah, it's not worth having these defensive issues. So this could be a nice thing. We'll see. A uh, lot of coaching discussion to come. Uh, I'm going to have to wrap this up. I got to head on out. So, okay. uh, do we have do we have a closing? Man, this is another place where Tofuri. Here, I got one. I got one. Uh, if you're whatever you're listening on uh, to us on whatever venue it is, like, uh, comment, give us reviews. We love to hear them. We're not looking for money. We're looking for your thoughts. We want to know if you're enjoying it, what you're enjoying, anything like that. And uh, the best thing you can do for us is to spread the word. If you enjoy it, share it to a friend. I know all of you have Gator buddies out there who may not be on Reddit. I know this is an Our Florida Gators Reddit podcast, but we get into everything and we're trying to provide a product that is not out there in the podcast market. And uh, if you enjoy it, spread the word, share the love. We would just want to uh, talk Gators and enjoy ourselves with it. Definitely, definitely. And I want to so, give I want to yeah. give a very quick shout out. Um, to a couple people like like Eric UF and Dr. Mari Lawrence who have been helping me out with some data and uh, Eric UF has been posting some pretty badass stuff on the sub recently. I'm gonna give him a shout out for everyone. If you haven't looked at his stuff, it's awesome. And uh, and I'm really excited. We can't talk about it yet, but Zlat, how excited are you for Project Gator? Oh man, this is uh the ultra secret project. Uh, nothing to do with penises i promise you but yeah this is this is going to be cool um i didn't know we were going to even announce the name at this point but yeah we have we have something special cooking up that hammer has started and led this entire thing and he has some great ideas and um i'm pumped should be really cool it's be pretty exciting so i've uh i'm not gonna give any too much details about it but i will say that uh, i'm looking forward to it and i just want to give a shout out to all the people that are helping with that they know who they are There's a very select few of them um and I want to give them all a shout out for uh, you know helping get this started and all the contributions that are going to help with that uh, in the near future. Um, so definitely thank you all those guys. And yeah, I mean if you enjoy the pod, you know please let us know. Like just like leave comments, send us messages. Um, Vlat likes dick pics, so send him those. Um, Love them. And uh, and yeah, and uh, stay tuned. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll have an even better episode for you guys next week. So good night. Have a good one. Go Gators. Review it! Review it! <laughs> Perfect. From quarreling and fighting, evil speaking and backbiting, all these things take no delight in when we're met together. Let a union be in all our hearts. Let all our hearts be joined as one. We'll end the day as we've been gone, we'll end it all in pleasure. Whack for all of all to a light, oh, whack for all of all.